This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? Jonathan Escudero here, a.k.a. Yogi. Yogi is here in, well, not in studio, he's in the house, Uh, most likely his house. Social Yeah, still keeping up the social distancing, still dealing with uh, the effects of the coronavirus, but not all is lost. Um, you recently returned to comic book uh, to the comic book stores. Comic book stores are opening. Diamond shipments are coming in. You want to talk a little bit about that? They are. I mean, I guess DC had kind of made a little secret deal behind Diamond's back to to put books out. Uh, anyway, so the last few weeks they've been putting out garbage. <laughs> I, and I don't, I really don't understand uh, what their plan was because they went through all this trouble to release books anyway, even though Diamond is shut down. But the books that they released when they had no competition and they were the only books on the shelf were fucking trash. Uh, <laughs> nobody is, uh, nobody else is putting out books. You've got this grand opportunity. And you put out fucking House of Secrets and like garbage. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that happened. But uh, it is going to be May twenty seventh when you guys are listening to this. So that'll be the first day Marvel's put out comic books in oh about a month and a half, almost two months. Yeah. So, so things are finally getting back to normal. I think most books are going to be in a bi monthly schedule until. Stuff gets back to normal, but uh, I'm excited to be making money again. <laughs> are are you getting a lot of customers? Are they doing pickups? Yeah, what, what are they? What uh, are they trying to grab at the time? At the time of need, they're fully coming in now. They're like, uh, we force them to wear masks, but um, they have right, right. their addiction <laughs> and they are going to fulfill it no matter what. Yes, yeah. Well, I guess that's good to know that the comic book uh, world is still trying to kick back. Um, I was wondering what would be lost in that whole shuffle of things. You know, we got we, would, we were setting up for death metal. Um, I know they were setting up some big things over at Marvel as well. It's been and a, the last thing you would want. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say uh, when you because you brought up death metal, and I was gonna say this whole uh, break in comics from uh, for the coronavirus thing has kind of been a blessing in disguise for DC because. Uh, they already had a their future was in flux. Dan DiDio had been fired. All his plans yes. for for the immediate future were kind of in the loot, kind of in the wind. And uh, apparently, they've had time to kind of change things. And I guess death metal is going to be like a vehicle for the new continuity going forward. So that's going to be interesting. 
yeah, this is supposed to be like the sunset to the sunrise that was Dark Knight's medal. Um, so do you think those uh, events are going to work in tandem to bring about the dark crisis that was <laughs> prophesized when um, they were first talking about um, Dark Knight's medal? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is about to be that dark crisis that that uh, we've been waiting for. The Joker has... Uh, they did, though. Like, it's done. They've taken over the multiverse, right? That's it. They did it. Yeah, yeah. They, they blinked them out of existence. <laughs> yeah, Death Metal kind of starts after, like, mid-adventure yeah. type thing. Right. Yeah. Um. Now... I, I couldn't I had to get you on I had to talk about this whole Twilight of the Superheroes thing but I'd be remiss I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your feelings about the announcement that we're getting the Justice League Snyder Cut oh man uh first of all we had kind of over the weekend started getting uh news of a screening and stuff like that, and I guess uh, it started to catch a little wind, so I almost was expecting it, but it's still, I mean, I wasn't one of those crazy Twitter release the Snyder Cut uh, hashtag comments under, like, RIP posts and stuff. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, I, you know, I've always been really freaking sad that we didn't get to see the end of Snyder's vision, like, regardless of how anybody else feels about uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, those movies uh, were like catered uh, specifically for me. So I've always been kind of <laughs> sad uh, when I rewatched them that I never was going to get the ending of the chapter uh, of yeah. the story. So like I'm I'm so ready to uh, to finally see this, but I'm more concerned about all these other people being excited for the Snyder Cut because I know a lot of them were the same ones who were complaining about like Batman v Superman and about Man of Steel. So I don't know what they really expect the Snyder cut to be like, yes. right, right. You, like it's going to change the they Like what, what you're saying is if you weren't liking that flavor of ice cream, he was still serving it just in a different cone. Yeah. For Justice League. So yeah. like you might, Josh Whedon might've put a little sprinkles on it, but trust me, it's shit the same sprinkles. flavor. Like shit. Yeah. Sprinkles. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit actual sprinkles. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but um, yeah. So that's exactly what I'm saying. So I'm absolutely gonna love this. I just am looking also forward to uh, the reaction that comes out afterwards. I want to feel good about it in general. I obviously have my reservations about Snyder's vision for the DC universe, but I've seen. I I I want to believe I'm open minded enough to see all facets of. Uh, and iterations of certain characters. I just feel like there was a weird, odd placement in that film. And it might have been because, again, it was cut to sushi, you know, to um, fit the narrative that they were going to create with this weird Frankenstein of a movie that they had with Josh Whedon. But I think that's a perfect segue because that was the whole uh, fight, in my opinion, what the whole, you know, release the Snyder Cut was like, this is... Zack Snyder's vision he's gone this far with it and what happens when studios meddle with it which is I think a perfect segue into talking about Alan Moore oh, <laughs> the man. subject of um of the conversation today but more importantly his pitch uh for Twilight of the Superheroes um we knew early we not early on but I think it's one of the biggest things in um comic book lore, lore I guess is that right now 
Alan Moore doesn't really like comic books. Right, all right, <laughs> uh, it's been a long time. I'm not sure that it's comic books as much as it's uh, superhero superhero comics. superheroes. He'll definitely yes. put out some weird stuff uh now and then like he's been in a few one-shot comics over the past few years but um yeah he he kind of he said a lot of bad things about like superhero fans and superhero films and and in 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 some ways i understand you know i absolutely understand why he'd be bitter towards the industry and what it's become kind of uh after what they've done to him you know but uh he, the uh, way he talks, though, it reminds me of, remember those early uh, interviews, not early, but I mean, like, when we were younger, that you would see circling around of, of uh, Bruno Sammartino, where it's like he spent so much of his life in professional wrestling, but every time they put a microphone in front of him, he was like, oh, that crap, like that, like what they're doing and all this, and he just, like, tearing it apart, seeing it for what it is, and just kind of, like, ripping it a new one instead of being an ambassador for it. And I, I found that, like, extremely powerful in the sense that you know i i've heard him admit to saying like i didn't create watchmen to start a superhero revolution i kind of created it to to pop the bubble like to be like this is all kind of dumb like if you see this to its natural conclusion you would realize how hollow all this is um what do you think of that take do you think that's um pessimistic or do you think that's uh realistic I have uh, it's it's interesting because at the today, if you say something like that today, it means something very different than it did if you said it in 1980. Uh, in 1980, the comics he would have been talking about and referring to would have been all the very simple, uh, silver age kind of golden age stories that he grew up reading that he mm-hmm. uh, enjoyed. This this yes. type of Watchmen superhero deconstruction didn't really exist back then, so I guess yeah. he he definitely wanted to see what it would be like if you took these uh, kind of super powerful people and put them in a realistic situation to show that yeah I don't think that it would be all sunshine and uh, roses and the adventures over in thirty minutes uh, you know so right. it absolutely. Uh, I can absolutely see why he would have done something like that before. Uh, why he would have done something like that in that era. Yeah, and in the 80s, like you were talking about, you know, not to stir the pot, but they were all kind of really white and really male in the uh, 80s as yeah, well. Yeah. So, I like, um, <laughs> one, one of the things that he constantly says and refers to is, like, um, some of these characters to him seem like a weird white power fantasy, like a weird, like I'm super yeah. powered and I'm all this. I've and so obviously too. it's him, it's him <laughs> taking, obviously it's him taking the lore and the, and the, you know, the fiction to the ump degree, but there seems to be a running narrative. We covered V for Vendetta on here. Sadly, just like Twilight of uh, Superheroes, our Miracle Man episode is lost to the wind. But I think that, in reading, you know, Watchmen, V for Vendetta, um, and Miracle Man, Marvel Man, you kind of get a picture for where his mind was at various times when it came to what the superhero John would be. But there, like, what is better than hearing it from the man himself? We, fi- if you didn't know the backstory to this, ladies and gentlemen, shortly after finishing Watchmen, our man Alan Moore decided that he was going to write up a pitch. Uh, for a concept called a concept for a storyline, a massive crossover called uh, the Twilight of the Superhero. 
or superheroes. Um, and one of the main things, like I feel, I feel like this document is so interesting because it is all unapologetically Alan Moore, right? Like <laughs> you can hear his voice as you read um, the different details of the story. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it, he puts himself into into uh, a lot of the way that he writes, so it's rather than some really professional pitch it's kind of him giving you a topic and then going off on a tangent for a little bit and then getting back to it and then it's very uh erratic but (laughs) interesting yes um he calls the very beginnings of where he talks about uh, marketing and merchandising all that kind of stuff the interminable ramble which shows a level of self awareness right like he knows he gets a little bit off into the weeds about these things he's got to know um, i feel like that's just probably the way that he was back then and 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 i don't think anybody's holding that he couldn't be but he was still in the right. midst of that uh that original british revolution quote unquote that was happening in the 80s where all these british writers were coming over and doing their style and uh and so i'm sure the american editors were like yeah, he just gave us a wall paragraph full of explanation for one panel of art, but this is the way those guys do it. Let's just let it happen. So now he's just right, right. with his pitches and shit, too, I, I assume. <laughs> I mean, those guys were treated like rock stars. Even Grant Morrison, when he showed up to the scene, right? Like, they, they were like, let's test these, their metal out. And, you know, a couple small publications, next thing you know, it's full graphic novels winning awards and stuff they and like revolutionized the entire industry with their style of writing and look at the way look at what it, it's a two-sided coin for alan moore because at the time he felt like he was doing something different but he never believed that the rest of the industry would be so influenced by his work that he would change they would just from. follow they would just follow in his steps as opposed to ceasing to exist which is he, he, <laughs> which i kind of get it like I, at the time you're like man i got this cool thing i'm gonna do these comics but I'm sure that they're going to continue to put out the comic books that I like to read. You know, I don't, I don't think that I'm about to destroy the business, you know, from my perspective, you know? (laughs) Right, right, right. hundred percent. I think one of the interesting parts of Moore's, uh, you know, ramble, if you will, starts off in the very beginning where he talks about how the, one of the biggest problems about the, the genre or, you know, overall comic books as a whole is that most stories don't have a definitive end. Most hero stories doesn't have a definitive end. And he like um, points to like real like examples, like the Norse gods or Robin Hood or Sherlock. And he's like, you know, by creating, by Frank Miller creating uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns, he at least put forth an effort to tell some sort of ending of that, of that story. Um, how do you feel about that concept that that's what's keeping superheroes from reaching those? Obviously, this was an opinion he felt in 1980, right? So this is it's been a little bit changed in the last 30 years. Um, but how do you feel about this idea that that what's lacking in the comic book medium is definitive ends for some of these characters? I feel like every character should have a uh, not in because as you said like by its very nature by its very serialized nature comic books can't really end you know the story always has to keep going but to create these kind of stories that portray a possible ending that the fan can latch on to and, and and kind of say this is my ending for this character i think that's always a great thing uh i think yeah it was grant morrison that said every uh 
if you're going to have a long run with a character, you should always pen an issue that's your ending. Because it's always going right. to continue like going, that. but you, there should always be an ending. Like, and I and I absolutely understand why he would have thought that after reading The Dark Knight Returns at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked about this. You know, Tom King wrote his ending for Batman. We saw, and like I'm talking about in the most recent examples, right? Yeah. Uh, didn't Danny Cates get an uh, ending for Venom? He created some sort of like Venom the End or... Uh, yeah, some story Marvel, where like that one was a bit more of a cash grab. Marvel was doing a the end <laughs> thing series, but, the but, end um, series. but uh, I think King Thor is uh, another one All of right. these endings that the writer kind of right. do after eight years of being one on um, one character, you know. And I do love, yeah. I love, the, I love that this is a thing that we do because I absolutely agree with what he's saying. Uh, about uh, about our mythologies having endings and that making them more powerful because we can track a character from their beginning to their end. Yeah, yeah. I think I. It, what's funny is that these ideas don't come till later, but the introductions of people like um, Superboy and uh, well, John Kent, Superboy and Damian Wayne date the characters. We start to have to say, okay. You know, they have to be at least this age, right? Or, you know, they, they have to have at least have accumulated this amount of experience, whereas uh, comic books are constantly resetting themselves um, toward in the era that we live in now. They are growing. They are aging in a bit. You know, we're getting to the point where what Superman's identity is old hat, right? He, like he just threw that, <laughs> threw that away. Another way that these endings kind of benefit the i guess continuing comic is that and he points this out in his uh interminable ramble i guess that uh yeah you the the continuing comics can always kind of reference that future you know like so when yes when yeah. things start to happen you start to wonder like oh man is is are we like headed towards the dark knight returns future that was a mutant oh my god which is cool. Yeah, that was interesting. Like you were saying that you can basically play it both ways. If you, you can point at the future, but not necessarily have to be going to that yep. future. It yep. can be twisted and turned um, to reach there. And that is an interesting idea. And it's the same thing. Like I have to look, I've done a lot of research on, on Adam Moore. I didn't really do much research on Frank Miller, but I want to know what his idea behind writing that ending for Batman was. Like, was it so always intended to be a definitive ending? Um and you know how that all turns into this because i i would say right obviously before everything else that that's another one of those books that changed how people looked at batman forever 100 percent. you know like that was like okay so now he has a definitive ending you know he he gains experience he gets to the point where he knows how many bones are in the body and how to you know do all, you know do all this stuff um so it, it's it's so interesting that a new basic a basically new writer is coming in and being like yeah all of this we got to kind of end it Right, like he's like looking around. And he's like, "We gotta, I got an idea. Right, we got it. We kind of gotta get through the rest of this." So his whole proposal was like to get it, like create an endpoint for the DC superhero universe, but also provide like a very popular, money making, right? Nothing wrong with that crossover event. That was actually that, really, that was actually really funny. Uh, I thought that was really funny because he's got this big pitch that he's about to. Uh, 
that he's about to jump into, but he's trying to spend two pages of it uh, explaining to uh, these executives how, no, wait, you can totally turn this into a bunch of uh, things if you really want to. Because uh, he references like Paul Levitz having taught him something about uh, having your stories make money. So I'm sure someone had to sit him down and explain to him, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're going to do this, we need to try to make some toys out of it or something. And he's like, so... <laughs> I've got all these ideas and he's got like a tabletop game that he wanted to create. And he says, yep. he can even turn this into a movie. <laughs> and I, I think for- he even mentions video games, which at, in the eighties is still kind of primitive, you know, like it would have been a bunch of a, a polygon smashing into each other. But do you think in your opinion, those uh, opening notes, if you will, of marketing, is that, is that more trying to seem like he's a team player? Is yeah, that a quid pro quo situation 100%. of like, listen, be- before I start stroking myself, trust me, these are the ways it's going to make money. Because then cause <laughs> he first, because he starts off kind of trying to tell them how they can make money from it. But then he's like, so uh, if you don't do this right, <laughs> it's going to end up like garbage. Let me tell you how. <laughs> so he's like yeah, trying to yeah. absolutely trying to find a midway point. Like, yes, we can make money from this, but please be careful because we might end up like secret wars, which I thought. Right. Yes. Was interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause yes, he had definitive um, ideas about how that went. And I found it, like I said, extremely interesting that he would, he would come in firstly off the bat like don't worry <laughs> this is all gonna make money and stuff and then he would like he he was answering questions no one asked yet in his proposal just in case it would ever come up like one of those things was like this i'm I'm proposing this massive crossover event but 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 not everyone has to be in it yeah you know like we're totally like we're totally down if other people don't want to be in it we can do like a small mention and then it is what it is like I, i'm not forcing people to um you know come together on this and if whoever wants to they can uh and eventually this is what made me laugh he was like eventually when this becomes a movie i'm hoping that it stands alone as it is anyway <laughs> and i was like and i was like oh okay all right he's uh a movie you, based on alan moore's work that's that's uh, there were no uh they're like superhero movies were not a a phenomenon it was like 1985 so you would have had what two superman films uh and but without getting into details could you see this being a film? Oof, no, in I mean, in in, in okay. 1992. <laughs> no, well, okay, so I could. I don't think that at that time I could have seen uh, Tim Burton's Batman be a movie either. That's true. <laughs> I, I can give you that. Yeah, that's true. So if, if 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 the right person would have came along, I think that it could have been done. I don't think it would have been as flashy as it could have been today. <laughs> yeah. I, this yeah. is, somebody keep this pitch out of Zack Snyder's hands because this is like <laughs> this is like his wet dream. If he gets his hands, yeah, he'd be like, "Wow, see, I wasn't crazy. You see this? I told you, fucking movie. <laughs> I told you all." But um, man, one thing that I thought was very interesting is that while he's kind, of, he's speaking from the viewpoint of a writer. So I'm sure that writers have been looped into crossovers before. And he's kind of like, well, let me tell you how this, well, we can make this work for everybody. And I don't have to piss off my friends as well with this giant crossover. Mm-hmm. Like, And at the same time, kind of laying out this blueprint for what the crossover should be. Like this. Yeah. It, it, it goes on for a few pages, so we won't go into crazy details, but just his explanation for 
how crossovers should be done and how doing them wrong could be damaging. It's just, it's right. fascinating how it still resonates to this day because I can point 15, I can point to 15 crossover events in the last five years <laughs> that have made every mistake that he is pointing out in these first few pages. Like, it's, it's uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. How did you feel about the whole thing of him kind of being like, hey, you know that very massively popular crisis event you just did? We kind of need those universes back. That's probably what killed the pitch. Honestly, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's. I thought it was a. I thought it was an interesting idea, and I think that eventually, when Hypertime is introduced, it's basically a version of his fluke idea. We'll get into the flux. the fluke, the flux. I saw both of those flux and fluke, but I, whatever. Good. Time Trapper uh, stuff there. Um, explanation because I, I know out of context, it's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? We will get there. I thought something else that he said that was really interesting was. You know, this is obviously a story set in the future. And I love that he went out of his way to distinguish like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I've been seeing too much of like nuclear dystopian future. Yeah. Like where bombs have blown up. And so everything is like sand and dead Mad Max and whatever. He's like, nah, this is the future. But like, what would happen if like all those things we were scared were going to happen? All those nuclear wars, nuclear holocaust, all that stuff just didn't. (laughs) And I was like. Huh. It's like that's, so the, the, the apocalypse that we're faced with is the uh is is our own existence and knowing that it's I not guess. the end. And I was like, man. Yeah, because <laughs> if you're always if you're always arming yourself for a war, you can keep yourself pretty distracted. But if that you find out that there literally is none, like there won't be any big fight. There is no big apocalypse. You know, we can stop making bombs, we can stop, you know, making bullets. What do you do? Um, so his whole thing, it's, he wanted to throw this 20 years into the future at the time. So I guess this would have been, what, the early 2000s? Yeah, just about. Um, and that's the biggest thing that he wanted to say is like the world is at peace. Everything there is a different kind of apocalypse or a different kind of um, situation. The world's kind of thriving, but, uh, you know, not everything is as it looks. And. Just like in other works, um, heroes have been regarded as the new ruling class. Uh, but uh, strangely, it was a gesture made by the society out of gratitude. I thought <laughs> because of all their all their selfless service. What do you think about that? I honestly, I didn't have a, a the 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 story that he was telling uh, coming from. Uh, uh, I guess the viewpoint of a person who would have been scared of a government taking over. Like I guess uh, a lot of people were in the eighties. Uh, it, 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 yeah. I can absolutely see where that came from, but I just uh, there's um there's a lot of meat in this first uh, ramble thing because we were talking about we were talking about the uh, we we were talking about everything else, but he kind of spent a page here trying to explain to them why getting rid of the multiverse was a bad idea. <laughs> like, right after they just did it, after they just <laughs> went through just it, and, and crisis was a triumph like that wasn't something that was something that was never done before he's like, like the length the, the, the scope all of that and he's like yeah yeah i mean that was okay that was all right <laughs> but i think i should like undo it um and so like and he explains like you know i understand that your audience wants stability and they want continuity and stuff like that and you know i i, I get that but also like you can't shoot yourself in the foot and eliminate possibilities to tell other stories that are not necessarily tied down to your continuity. And that's totally Alan Moore. 
like yeah, that's that's killing joke great. spent how long in in question about whether or not it would be uh canon yeah yeah before they were just you like, know we really like this let's slip it in there <laughs> right but he i don't think he would have wrote that if no, he thought it no was way. the next issue of batman no way if he, he would no way he would have done all that to little barbara gordon <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly exactly Oh yeah, he does like weird depraved. You know what? That's a whole nother. Um, but yeah, yeah. So he has a, a through line with this. This is something that he has that we, you know, like like I'm saying, as I'm reading this, everything's clicking because we have real life examples of the things that he's talking about. It's a weird, it's a weird document from the past that mm-hmm. seems to have hit hit all the check marks of everything that we've seen so far. Um and he he thought he was kind of giving them a band-aid with this time trapper flux uh, situation because he, like I said, again, the idea that getting rid of all those parallel earths and all those histories was a mistake. I think uh, what's crazy um, is that he ended up being right. <laughs> he ended up being yeah. very right. Like he left all these Chris, like this, the very way he wrote Rorschach, like this maniac with a sign, like, look at all these things that are wrong. And then nobody listens to him. So he yes. just abandons everything. And then it slowly but surely behind him, it all comes true. <laughs> what do you feel about the whole idea that he was like, um, you know, I, when, when all this is said and done and the more these crossovers, that we get the more of these you know big scoping uh multi-title crossovers we get the more um writers are going to feel obligated to up the body count mm-hmm. in some of these things and not necessarily pay the right respects <laughs> uh when they do it but how do you feel that that lines up with kind of his twilight story because th- th- there's a body count in that book as well do that, you think that that, that idea clashes at, at all or? I, uh... He's like, I'm, I want to do this story, but I don't want a lot of them to be done afterwards, which again is what ends up happening. And it's right, like right. this thing where you know, like, it's, you know, like, like the madman who's creating this weapon, like, I know, like, what's going to happen if I put this out in the world, but I need to put this out there. <laughs> and of course, right, right, is going to come to pass. Eventually, does come to pass because it's inevitable. You've introduced this entirely new way of thinking of the superhero and the concept of the superhero. So now you've inspired others to think the same way, and not everybody is going to completely understand it. And some people are going to get it wrong. Exactly. And that's going to muddle everything. And that's not going to make you happy, ultimately. Ultimately. Like when you look at oh, it. Uh, it's not going to yeah. make a lot of people happy, but it is what it is, I guess. It, it just was the natural evolution of comic book storytelling. And maybe if that hadn't happened, uh, comic books wouldn't have lasted as long as they did. So uh, right. thank you. But also, uh, I wish. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know that I want to live in a world where, uh, he didn't come along and shake things up the way he did. Because I don't know that I would have gotten yes. into comic books uh, otherwise. I don't know that I would have got into comic books if they were, if it was the year 2008 and they were still being written like uh, they were in the 1950s. Shit, some of the stuff in 2008 needs to look back at 2000, you know, 1980s, <laughs> you know, like and take a lesson because damn, Seriously. we were going through some stuff. Um, we we got an answer to the question no one asked. Alan Moore doesn't like that Superman went back in time to save Lois Lane in Superman 1. 
Is he kind of? I just wanted to say that it kind of says that everything that that you all the consequences that come after this can be erased if he just spins the world back. Yeah, and I kind of get that because there have been times where I'm watching a movie and things are getting so crazy that I'm like, I really hope that this is not all going to get erased at the end of this because then what does that say for the future and the things that come next? I get that. Heck yeah. yeah. While there's obvious passion in here, especially in the interminable ramble, um, there's also something that's also become a staple of Alan Moore, which is intense hatred for the actual business of comic books. Um, where do you think that stems? Because I have a little bit of a, uh, sorry, a hypothesis, if you will. I honestly, it, it could be a number of things. One, it could be growing up in an era where everyone was anti-authority. Yeah. Everyone was entirely anti-authority. So you got these guys in suits telling all these hippie writers what they should and shouldn't be doing. And it kind of feels like you're in shackles. You want to shake loose. You're here to shake things up and show the man why uh, they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can totally see that because I had heard that he had grew up in a town that was famous for um, fighting in the British Civil War. Yeah. So he was even in the town that he was born in. It was torn by the same country. You know, people uh, people who obviously felt that the reigning class should remain the reigning class as is. And other people who felt like they should fight from the bottom to change things. And there's not necessarily a black and white answer sometimes in those situations, uh, which puts him square in the middle. But I found that he had um, he had a real amount of respect for guys like uh, Dicko and Kirby. And I think finding out what happened to those guys kind of soured him on on all of it, to be honest. Right. Like, I don't I, I don't imagine it be in his head. But if I was a kid and I was looking up to to um, a bunch of creators and I find out that most of their stuff had been co-opted by somebody else or uh, somebody else had taken credit for their stuff. And so for the most part, the ones you look up to are doing nothing but kind of getting old and getting poor, broke. Uh, Some of these guys lived in desolate situations because there was no like royalties in comics, you know, like none of that stuff was going down. So you have, uh, you have more kind of getting the um, glaze over in his eyes this this magical world where you could just create and the ideas flew off your pen and you were recognized for your art all of a sudden has become this thing where people will stab you in the back put their name on your stuff take your stuff and you know do their own alterations with it and you know not and still claim that it's it was you that did it you know stuff like that i think that he really started to see the car, almost carny nature of of the of the old comic book way and it really, it was like he saw, he saw the sausage get made. Exactly. It, it, he was never the same after that. That's exactly, that might be exactly it. Because all the things that he would have seen happen to them, kind of do happen to him. <laughs> Almost yeah. very shortly afterwards, too. Um, and you can see him being like, not me, not me. I'll put my foot down. I'll, you know, I'll stand my place. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, there, there's two sides of the coin now. There's a lot of people that's calling him crazy, Alan Moore, for sticking his ground. But I, I would believe if you ask him, he doesn't feel like his 
opinions should be bought and sold to the highest bidder. So yeah. he thinks that he's maintaining his persona, his his opinions, his aura, all that stuff. It's while pride. other people are like, it's general yeah. pride. Yeah. A, 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 it's a, yeah. and I like I, as a as another testosterone filled man, I can <laughs> I can definitely uh, understand that stubborn. Uh, I don't want what you're giving me. You you screwed me. Uh, I don't want to deal yeah. with you at all because I've I've heard like he's like sent back royalty checks and everything. Like, I've seen way too many interviews in the last couple of days. One of them he was like, one of them he was saying something very interesting, which was the idea that it's an artist's job to not compromise. That um, in this weird world, artists have become entertainers, and we've confused the two. We've confused an artist for being an entertainer when it wasn't a job, an artist's job initially to entertain. So that changes things, right? Because if I decide, you know what I love to do? I love to collect paper clips and make statues, right? And I do it. People happen to find out that I do it and they like it and they pay for the statues that I make. That's one thing. But for me to make these statues and all of a sudden a company picks me up and it's like, hey, listen, we want you to make our statues. Then I'm doing it for money. Then I'm doing it. You know, I'm not necessarily doing exactly what I want when I want. And that is what he always kind of feared, I guess. This idea that he would end up becoming an assembly. Uh, yeah, I guess you say assembly line or a conveyor yep. belt for content as a, a mindless content, as it were. Because I don't think you can produce something like Watchmen like mass produce something like Watchmen. No way. Like that couldn't have been a, a a 50 issue story, you know, or maybe it could have with all the stuff you put in between, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like he, you couldn't dilute that. It had to be in the pure, in the pure form uh, that it was with him. And I, like I said, where do you sit on it? Is it stubbornness? Is it, is he being self uh, preservating? Like, is he protecting Alan Moore by being so curmudgeonly or has, is he an old man yelling at a cloud? There's a bit of all of it, honestly. It's uh, it's like I, I want I I completely understand where he's coming from, why he has said the things that he has said, even though they hurt. <laughs> you know, a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> he said a lot of mean things. You know, you called me the R word, <laughs> like, but um, <laughs> but uh, but I get it. Like, I can't, I can't. There's no part of me that is like, man, I wish he would shut up. Because he doesn't know what he's talking right. about. Like he knows what he's talking about, and he was there, and he's experienced it, and it burned him. And and if he feels like he doesn't want to forgive, and he doesn't want to like go, uh, that's entirely up to him. And if in 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 a way, he does end up being an old man just yelling at a cloud because nobody is nobody on the level that matters is truly listening. So it's right. just if if it makes him happy to hold on to his convictions this long and this hard, then I, I can't, I can't really disagree with him or, 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 uh, condemn him for it. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. I remember one of the things, what, one of the things that, um, even I was like, Oh wow. Was when, um, it had came out that, uh, how he felt about Rorschach fans. Do you remember this? <laughs> oh, where yeah. he was basically where he was basically like, yeah, he's like a he's like a a crazy right winged. He probably smells. He doesn't really take care of himself. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Um, you know, 
but like that's kind of what comic fans are, I guess. So that's why they kind of jump, they right. kind of <laughs> champion him. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like he did somebody that I respect, you know? So I'm just like, wait a minute here. But yeah, he like legitimately was like, um, but I had forgotten that actually to a lot of comic fans that smelling, not having a girlfriend, these are actually kind of heroic. Yeah, so actually, like, sort of. He's like, I wrote this uh, guy. Rorschach became popular. Yeah. Like, I wrote this guy as trash. And all these fucking people flocked to him as a hero. I'm so confused. (laughs) Nah, it's the Rick Sanchez of it all, right? Like, you fucking write an asshole, and everyone's like, yeah, that guy's great. You're like, wait a minute. That's not the point of this story. We haven't got to act two yet. I need to relax. Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, it hurts. (laughs) It hurts, but it's like, damn. Is that true? (laughs) <laughs> like fuck. right right no yeah and the thing is he talks so well i know that sounds like a crazy thing to say about a writer but it's like w- when he does express his opinions even though i don't um agree with them he does express um express them you know creatively like i can i get his point i understand his point if not i if not agree with it you yeah. know like i totally see his point of view it doesn't seem like just oh blah, 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 blah. like it's just that like the idea that um and we'll get to this when we get to it in the story, but this idea that, oh, like, you guys want superheroes so that they always have to do the hard stuff. Like, they're the ones, you can always just sit back and let the ruling class continue to, quote, unquote, protect you. And you will continue, they'll continue to change what the definition of that is. And they'll continue to change what the rules are and what you can and can't do. Um, and how much are we willing to sacrifice for that protection? That What's the... It's like a Benjamin Franklin quote, I, I I believe, that was like, those who are willing to trade um, freedom for security deserve neither. And I think that that's something that Moore believes. Like, if you're willing to bow down to gods so long as they protect us, maybe we don't deserve a world. Um, and I think, you know, like, or, or and then there's the other side of it where it's like, if you have the powers of a god, you it's your job to evolve the human race, which we saw some of that in Miracle Man. Um, so he has these, this idea of what happens when the, the Uber mensch, the Superman, the, the most powerful being on earth comes to earth. And we even seen a little bit in Watchmen, right? Like he just, if a being like that ever existed in his mind, they would be so bigger than life that they would be removed from the, the, the ants of humanity. And they, they kind of play that up with Superman and the house of, uh, Steel, yeah, where yeah. where it's uh, and 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 in a way, it just based on what we've seen it, with the patterns of the of the sentient mind, I guess the human mind, it's like power does beget uh, power. <laughs> like, yes, I, I guess I I can. I this is maybe why I'm so open to some of these more uh, just the darker future superman stories because i can absolutely see where a man with the power of superman could decide that everything is absolutely not going the way it should go but i can force it to go that way why don't i (laughs) exactly yeah and and that's the question it's and it sounds kind of weak when you say he's giving us the freedom to suffer or something like that right like it's kind of weak to say shit like that if I was Superman, I'd have to 
it's a crazy question, like a crazy philosophical question. Like, am am I harming this earth by letting it continue the way it is and only putting a little band-aid on the dam every time the water's leaking? Like, shouldn't I just right. build a whole new dam? And it's the great power, great responsibility stuff. You know, if you have the great power, is it is it your job then? You know, as the only one who can, I guess it is your job. It's or at least that's what the great power, great responsibility line means for the most part. If you can do it, then it's your job to do it. And uh, but Superman is supposedly being charitable by allowing us the freedom to, I guess, fumble and mess up and stuff like that. I guess it sounds, um, but I don't know what I would do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to cover in the ramble? No, uh, I think through. we pretty much hit it all. It's just uh, uh, all of that leads very well into what the story actually is because now it's yes. Uh, so the uh, one of the thing one they the setup for the story, like I said, or this way he set it up is it's twenty years in the future, the world's at peace. Um, you know, the, the new ruling class is the heroes because, um, society has trusted them. They actually were able to like purge a bunch of supervillains and then they kick all the aliens out. How do you feel about that little wrinkle in the story that, oh, that the racist. superheroes would agree <laughs> to exile? I don't want to aliens. And not only all decided together, <laughs> these are aliens that they fought alongside. They fought in wars with, right? Like. Thanagarian, Martian Manhunter, Starfighter was was killed in the exile. Um, the Green Lantern Corps was exiled from Earth. Um, a bunch of I, I found that very weird, and I found uh, the idea that Superman would not only be excused because they're like, oh, he has no plan to go back to, so he's straight, <laughs> but that he like. He would obviously be in consideration for a purge like that, but not only is he excused, but he lets it happen. Like, it's very weird because it's like, you would have been on that list, buddy, but I guess the ends justify the means. It would be some kind of vote. Yes. And it was probably decided, you're cool. And he was like, well, if I'm cool, then (laughs) that's not my business. They... Now that we have these superhero rulers, they uh, proceed over certain collective teams known as houses. Um, and so that's one of the big things that he introduced, and we'll get we'll uh, go through these houses. So uh, the two major houses are the House of Steel, which resides in the East and is led by Superman. Um, in this future, Superman has become a morally troubled figure who doesn't always know what's best. But he thinks that like the creation of these houses and stuff brings like a certain level of important stability. Um, this is where people will probably draw com- um, uh, comparisons to things like Injustice and Kingdom Come, where he wasn't one hundred percent sure if his you know totalitarian you know I'm I'm doing everything way is going to work, but to him ultimately he ends up convincing himself of that. Do you think that's something that's a hard uh like like it's hard to convince himself of that, or you think? Yeah, that's like uh, that, just that, basically, that basically takes it back to the kind of question I was just asking my hypothetical Superman self. Uh, do am I am I wrong for being right. this kind of dictator, or am I wrong for letting them fumble and destroy this planet the way it is? I don't know. There's no real good answer. Yeah. 
honestly. I think yeah. just for the There's same- no blanket answer. It's a case-by-case basis, right? Like, you, if you say yes to all of it, you're screwing some people. And if you say no to all of it, you're definitely screwing some people. Yeah, it's like, there's no real... Like, for the sake of telling a story where the good guy comes out looking shiny in the end, sure, uh, he'll go with the ideal where people keep their own opinions. But if you really, really think about it, I... <laughs> That might be the wrong answer too. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm a dick. Maybe yeah. this is I don't have power because I'm a dictator at heart. But, but um, right. I don't know that. Like, like look at what free look at what free will has done so far. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, 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 you can see where it needs a little tweaking. You know, right? Just a bit. Just a bit. Just a little bit. You know. Um, they said it well in Injustice. They said something along the lines of like, um, there's no need for fighting. We're at peace. And then somebody's like, but how are you going to enforce the peace? You don't enforce it with more peace. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's like, and it's like, and it's like, oh yeah, you're right. That's the part where we hurt people. <laughs> like we totally got to do shit um, to hurt people. I actually, um, are you a, go ahead, brother. No, uh, what was that? What were you going to say? I was gonna ask if you're a Diana Clark shipper. Um, no, no, but <laughs> no. I I grew up watching Justice League, and as a kid, I always wanted to see Batman and when Wonder Woman get together because that's what Justice League teased me with, and I and they never gave it to you. So I, it's one of these b- basic uh, base instinct comic nerd urges where um, Diana and Superman feels weird to me. Because what can come out of that right. relationship other than this dictatorship? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. When the warrior who's just as powerful it, as Superman is in his bed and in his ear, things are going to start changing. And I don't mean to sound misogynistic or archaic, but I kind of feel like it would be kind of taking Wonder Woman a step back if she's in awe of Superman. Yeah, I don't think she right because like that's like yeah she because like, warriors she's, she's like warriors queen of the, the Amazons all <laughs> women all the time but then she sees Superman and it's like <gasps> like everything they said was a lie man men man is great like this is what and they're made of steel and I want this one and this is this is amazing <laughs> I feel like that kind of takes it down a little bit. Actually, I was going to ask you to let me take the audience through the houses because they're so delightfully fucked up. It's so. Go ahead, go ahead. They're so. I'm with it. Every single one of these houses has some little screwball uh, thing going on under it, which is great because. Go I, ahead, do, do the roll call. Right. So uh, <laughs> we've got the House of Steel, which Georgia so uh, eloquently gave us, which has uh, Superman. The former Wonder Woman, his new wife, Superwoman, and the children, Supergirl, who has been uh, pawned off, I guess, to marry uh, someone in the House of Thunder, which we will get into in a second, and Superboy, who is a dick. <laughs> um, yes. that, that's literally the only line. It's like, he's a dick. <laughs> that's, that's all we he's know about these kids. He's, uh, he's 18, and he's a dick. And Supergirl is not <laughs> a dick, but she's being married off to her to a uh, to Captain Marvel Junior, who's now an adult, yes, and in the House of Thunder, which is the next house we're getting into, like Captain Marvel, Billy Batson, uh, Captain Marvel Junior, who's grown now just as powerful as Captain Marvel, and his wife, uh, Captain Marvel's wife, Mary Marvel, 
and who's yeah you might have to say that again to those who do who may not remember that mary and billy were uh foster brothers mary, and mary and billy were foster brothers and sisters in this current okay. community but back then right uh mary marvel would have been a friend and she okay. uh she she actually goes on to marry captain marvel who's having a bit of a crisis within his head because mary and captain marvel jr have abandoned their human bodies they're only living in the marble bodies whereas captain yeah. marvel billy batson has still not giving that given up his humanity yet so she, captain yeah. mary marvel is tired of his shit and she's banging captain marvel jr right because <laughs> they were they were all always closer in age because billy's like eight yeah so captain um mary marvel and captain marvel jr especially in these now full of growth uh, bodies are a bit they're 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 at each other's level i guess you would definitely say. they're horny for each other it, it, it <laughs> yeah. is what it is and, and so keep up with me here uh <laughs> mary, mary marvel is banging captain marvel jr while married to captain marvel captain marvel yeah. jr is betrothed to be married to supergirl this child of Superman and Superwoman, because bringing these two houses together would mean that there is no other house in existence as powerful as these two are together. So they would rule the entire planet. It's very yeah, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a, a like a social stalemate going on. Yeah, like these there none of these houses are powerful enough to attack or defend one another yet, especially the big two, Steel and Thunder are kind of they're both like uh, at a standstill i guess you would have had uh house of steel over on the east coast the house of thunder on yep. the west coast and all these smaller houses in the middle uh should a war go yeah. down they would be screwed after, right uh, after those two houses you have the house of titan well you ain't gonna talk about the tiger in the basement oh man yeah, well, they, they, uh, basically alan moore found a way to uh take all the sillier shazam concepts and kind of depress you with them uh he says he, he he didn't know if he wanted if he wanted to yet but he wanted to include a sad and aging talky tawny the tiger and maybe even mr yep. mind to which he says please don't laugh i think i can make it work <laughs> he's a sick man he's a sick man he is a sick man <laughs> so speaking of sick we got the house of titans now uh -oh. Which I guess is really screwed because they're led by an adult Nightwing who, after the death of Star uh, Starfire during the Alien Exile, has gone a bit uh, not crazy, but um, he's a little rough around the edges nowadays. <laughs> so a lot of the Titans have yeah. actually died in the past. Jericho, uh, Kid Flash, Kid Flash, and Wonder Girl have left the House of Titans to go join up with other houses that make more sense for them. <laughs> there's, no, there's no speedsters in the story, right? They are. There are speedsters in the story, but I think they all exist in the House of Tomorrow. Which, okay. Uh, which I guess we should save up because that's gonna be its own confusing thing. Yeah, that's the big <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the House of Titans is Nightwing, uh, Hawk, who's now Warhawk, and I guess very Rambo-esque, a human weapon who Nightwing <laughs> kind of uses. And then you have Cyborg, who's yeah. more Cyborg than man these days, uh, who's starting to struggle with, is he still a man? Because so much of him has been replaced by uh, robotic parts. Then you have Changeling, the Beast Boy, as you know him, who's gone, uh, who has, I guess, lost his mind? 
and and right. you know, and, and kind of sometimes stays halfway human, halfway animal in this disgusting form that nobody really wants to look at. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Raven, who's pretty powerful, a dignified sorceress, who only stays with the Titans out of loyalty, but every day she considers moving over to one of the other houses who make more sense for her, like the House of Mystery, full of the magicians. I, I really... I really dug though that it's like um, Nightwing pushed was pushed to the edge and now he's gone too far. Hawk is pushed to the edge and now Whoa. he's gone too far. <laughs> Cyborg has been pushed to the edge and now he's gone too far. Beast Boy has been pushed to the edge and now he's gone too far. And Raven's kind of chilling. Raven is uh, doing pretty well. And I, he's like, it very much matches her character. You know, she, yeah, she's yeah. Surrounded by all these idiots, and she's still like <laughs> Azeroth Metro hanging out. You know, like, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, I guess House of Mystery would have been after that, full of the yes. magic characters, right? Jason Blood, aka uh, Entrigan. You get the Spectres, Atara, Doctor Fate, and some weird amalgamation of Baron Winter and Dead Man. So Baron Winter yes. has had his mind burned out in a psychic battle some years earlier and is now just an empty shell. Except when he's he, a husk of a man. Uh, he's like a glove. A little right? human meat glove that is worn. <laughs> oh my God. That's worn by Boston Brand, the dead man. Uh, whenever We're going to lose our monetization for meat glove. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the last person in the house, I guess, is, is Felix Faust, who is now reformed and on the side of uh, okay. on the side of good, whatever that is in this dystopian timeline. I think uh, right. Alan Moore goes out of his way to point out that the House of Mystery has nothing to do with the uh, previous House of Actual Mystery House of Mystery, yeah. That DC right. put out. Uh, again, yeah. for the next house, the House of Secrets, he goes out to point out that it is another coincidence. The House right. of Secrets is uh, apparently a secret house full of all the villains who did not get killed during the purge. <laughs> right. Uh, the lineup would have been subject to revision, according to Alan Moore, but at the time he wanted it to be Luthor, the Joker, Gorilla Grodd, Captain Cold, Catwoman, Kronos, and Star Sapphire. Maybe Dr. Savannah and a few others. It's right. a- Which was kind of like a huge kind of checking boxes for... Like Basically, the, the heroes. Like, yeah, yeah, just kind of uh, showing where these characters would have been at the time. Every, every, every. I guess every hero would have had one, uh, one of their villains on this team. It looks like kind of like an injustice yeah. league type setup, right? Uh, it looks like they wouldn't have been an active house, but they were powerful enough to defend themselves if they ever got attacked. Based in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, they're kind of left to do what they did, did as so long as they keep the area nice. <laughs> like so long as, uh, like as because so, every because the thing is the houses of thunder still are watching everything almost all the time. So they literally allow these villains to live so long as they keep in line. You know, yep. so long as they don't. Yep. Uh, it, step out. It, it, that's basically what it is. I think every other house is allowed to exist as long as it doesn't step out of line. <laughs> Ain't that? But I mean, that's some shit, right? You have like two cannons pointed at the middle of the country. Yep. And everyone <laughs> Saying, in the room is kind of scrambling and hoping for the best. 
which is kind of right. depressing because the next house is what's remains of the Justice League. And so the, sad. The House so sad. of Justice, which is like this ragtag group of heroes left who I imagine have like all these tattered outfits and like uh, wearing like yeah. pieces of sleeve around their head like Rambo. And it's like, <laughs> right. Captain, right. Uh, it's Captain Adam, the Blue Beetle, Aqualad, who's the new Aquaman. And Wonder Girl Cassie, who's uh, the new Wonder Woman after Wonder Woman, you know, went on to go be Superwoman and marry Superman. Uh, ah. it, in addition, oh, and the new speedster. Yeah, that's what you're gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, one of uh, one of his one of Alan Moore's coworkers at the time had pitched a female speedster to replace the Flash, but it didn't happen. Um, but he wanted to kind of introduce her in the future as a kind of it could happen type of thing, which I thought was cool. <laughs> uh, totally could happen. Uh, oh no, yeah. Wait, let me get into that a little bit. Yeah. So basically, the way more wanted to do this, which was so cool at the time, was that he didn't want to call attention to it. She would have already been on the team for a set number of years. Yeah. So that when eventually she did, if she ever did really come into fruition, you'd be like, oh, this is the moment. This is when she. When she joins, that's awesome. And then we eventually get to get to there, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty insightful to think that far." Because comic books, in my opinion, are one of the most rewarding mediums I've ever been a part of. So long as you, you know, so long as the medium itself wants to reward its readers, so long as it, it cares to tell us, "Thank you for being here," as long as you've been here. So that reminds me of something like that like you would have read this story and then in 1996 if she if they met whatever her name was before she becomes slipstream you can see her build those blocks that we see already established in the future which i thought was cool which is great because that's that's what he was trying to say about all these superhero ending stories that they should always have this kind of element so that in the future, other writers can benefit from it. And I thought that was crazy insightful. And that's something that maybe some writers today should um, <clears throat> pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> you could totally. And the thing is, you can. To- it, it, it becomes. I don't know if you've seen Hot Tub. Have you ever seen Hot Tub Time Machine? Absolutely. Okay. So remember how that guy's arm is cut off? And so the joke of the movie yeah, is is when when does his arm yeah when does his arm get cut off? It's the same thing in comics. If you did a future story where Batman has one eye, for the whole time people are just gonna be like, how did he lose it? When did he lose his eye? Yeah, and well, any time in in continuity it gets close to his him losing his eye, you'd be like, it's gonna happen. This is what it's gonna it's it's happening. It's it, it's exciting. That is great. Or it would have been exciting. Uh, I think I feel like Marvel had an opportunity to do something like that with Nick Fury's eye, but uh, we dropped. Yeah. The, we dropped the ah, fucking cat, man. We, we joked that it was going to be the cat, and it actually was the fucking cat. We really, they really dropped the ball. Uh, <laughs> but I guess getting back to it, uh, the we had Captain Adam, Blue Beetle, Aqua Lad, who's Aqua I was about to say. Speaking of drop balls, <laughs> let's get back to this. Um... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Captain Adam, Blue Beetle, Aqualad, who's Aquaman, Wonder Girl, who's Wonder Woman, and uh, Wally West, Flash, and a new female Flash, Slipstream, who we talked about, uh, and then the final member would have been uh, the female Doctor Light. They're not really yeah. too active in the story yet, but uh, the next house is a pretty interesting house because uh, it's the House of Tomorrow, but this house only exists. To give DC a way 
to tell alternate <laughs> universe stories again. Alan Moore and many yeah. other writers who worked at DC at the time knew that getting rid of the multiverse entirely was a bad idea. And they cut, yeah. and they were just like offering these band aids, and this is one of them. Alan Moore uh, kind of offered this band aid called the uh, the Time Trappers Flux. Where, uh, that sounds like a drink, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or or Harry Potter and the Time Trappers Flux. <laughs> so it's, I I guess the way that the flux works is that a future version of the Time Trapper would yes. have attacked uh, the time stream the lead the legion don't the legion go to check something out in the time stream but it all ends up being a trap by the time trapper to keep them in this weird dimension of time that allows other writers to pull them out at any given time because like one of the things he mentions specifically is like oh jonah hex is from a different time like a whole different time entirely so we would be able to pull him into the story if we wanted to because all of time is in a weird stasis in this flux. So right? I guess if I <clears throat> if I were to kind of draw a picture, uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> the time stream would be a line and the flux would be a circle on the line that spans 30 years, right? Yes. Yep. And so within that circle any time the time stream was splintered the it, the these timelines would no would not go on to become other universes instead they would only exist within the bubble yep right so that yep. that's kind of what this was supposed to be and uh i guess eventually in the future uh mark wade would go on to introduce hypertime which is kind of like this idea here but uh right. but um at the time i'm sure dc was like no way we just got rid of all this other stuff we don't want to confuse <laughs> and i honestly think that this time trappers flux idea is what sunk the entire pitch but um really i i thought it was a, a big, i thought it was sort of clever but again i think it felt i thought it was odd cool. that he no was... no no i think this is a genius way to keep things to keep those other stories but i think that in the eyes of editorial this is what killed it the idea that right, but well, that's what I think. Like they, it's so close to yeah, what they just did, right? Yeah, they like, were just like, no, no way, which is messed up because there's so much good stuff in there. But I mean, ironically, wouldn't it be if he did this? Wouldn't that be akin to Superman flying around the world backwards? <laughs> like if, if we just bring would, back, if we just find give, some way to bring back everything, it would give Superman flying around the world a nice context to exist within, rather than uh, look, none right. of this matters. <laughs> so it's more like yeah all of this exists if you want it to but, um, so yeah so the time travelers uh the time travelers flux this entire egg this entire twilight timeline exists within this flux uh rip hunter i guess was part of that group that was trapped by the time trapper within the flux and uh, mm-hmm. it kind of ended up in this timeline. Rip Hunter will be sent by this version of Tom uh, of John Constantine to the past, to the present, our present, to warn uh, all the present day heroes of the future, <laughs> so that this yeah. twilight doesn't come to pass. Uh, in reality, 
20 uh 20 years in the future john constantine is just uh is it's it's trying to ensure that this future is coming to pass but he's kind of uh, what's that called the guy he's gaslighting yeah, he's <laughs> young, young young constantine uh i i heard i obviously didn't read but i heard that the idea of somebody going back in time well obviously from you've seen terminator but yeah. i'm saying like the idea of somebody going back in time to try to uh change the effects of a horrible future was something that they might have played with in um uh future's end is that true future's end yeah but m- way before that they did it in uh i think it's called armageddon there was a okay. story called armageddon that dc did where um uh i i, I want to say captain adam a captain mm-hmm. adam from the future came to the past to ensure that something wouldn't happen but in reality uh he, he, he makes it happen anyway but uh the 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 identity of captain adam was revealed too early so they go ahead and uh and change it mid uh kind of mid story and things get a little weird editorial wise but yeah they um huh. That happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens. Totally happened. Comics. That's what you gotta say. Comics. Comics. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's it. Future's End did it as well. Um and it did it poorly, unfortunately. But um to get back to these houses, unfortunately. I guess, uh the, the the house of tomorrow is comprised of time travelers who are stuck in the flux and stuck in this timeline trying to get back to where they belong or just, you know, not really involving themselves in this timeline too much because they don't want to mess things up. So, uh, right. moving on from that house, uh, we would have the house of lanterns who have abandoned the earth and they've kind of, after the whole alien power thing happened, they are conspiring with the Thanagarians and I guess a group of Martians yeah did they ever i know I know that in supergirl they've been playing around with this idea of like alien amnesty and all this other kind of stuff you know like whether or not they deserve to be here etc i i didn't i never thought until this story like if they ever were to enact something like that if earth were to ever unearth like a earth first kind of situation i know we already have a humongous target on our backs but could you imagine if the world became the america of the galaxy <laughs> I mean, you know, like, the, like, I feel like it is already. The, okay, I can see, I can see that. We're like the get the galaxy's ghetto. We're very ratchet, <laughs> but <laughs> but I also feel like I also feel like you have your Hal Jordans who kind of are like peacekeeping ambassadors, you know, who who put a good word in for us with a sure. forks of immediately the immediately galaxy. Immediately afterwards, we blow up a fucking moon or something. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the final house is the House of Lanterns. Uh, they are not actually a house on Earth anymore. They, whatever, wherever they, their old headquarters was, is destroyed. They all meet yep. up on Mars now, where the Lanterns, the Martians, and the Thanagarians all kind of plan uh, or, or are trying to conspire to figure out how they can get the Earth away from. Uh, from the House of Steel and the House of Thunder because they know that this marriage is coming and they don't know how to stop it. Once that marriage happens, the House of Lanterns will have no chance. Uh, yes, and, and and if what happens if Earth starts to want to colonize? Now okay. with with Shazam or sorry, Doctor or Captain Marvel, um, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman, Supergirl, <laughs> like just yeah. those 
remember that the houses go through space and wreck shop. So they're like, yeah, we need to stop that before yeah. it gets even which, close. Which is and and it, interesting enough is the is is that the House of Lanterns also has a bunch of Earthlings on it. So it's like, what? Yeah, did, they got kicked off of Earth because they had alien technology. Was what it was. <laughs> so I was like, wow. The uh, the actual um, the only people left actually living in the House of Lanterns on Earth are uh, Sinestro, who's been reformed, Carol Farris, Guy Gardner, both Green Lanterns of Earth. I wonder what happened right. to Hal and how Carol Farris uh-uh. becomes a Green Lantern. That would have been a fun freaking story. Soldal Yet, the Daxamite ultimate Green Lantern, who uh, Alan Moore did uh, hint at in his Tales of the Green Lantern annual story which Jeff Johns kind of also takes and creates the whole Lantern mythos from. And Jeff Johns also brought Sodom Yet. He called him Sodom Yet instead of Sodom. Yeah, I was looking I was looking at the... I, I was trying to see who got it wrong, but obviously he, you know, he it had created just, it. Yeah, yeah, it was that. So. <laughs> but it's still the same Daxamite Ultimate Green Lantern because the that does come to pass. He does become the Ultimate Green Lantern when he becomes the Ion who hosts. Yeah, and I heard he's also one of those characters like we were mentioning with that Flash where he's a character seen in the for, like the future. And so we haven't gotten there yet. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, this okay. is this would be the future that we, we that people are referring to, I assume. Right. <laughs> the, this yeah. uh, this Twilight thing here, which I try to do some research real quick to find out if Jordan was Parallax yet, but he's not. That happens in 1994. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely was not Parallax at all yet. Uh, the how yeah. how uh, not being in the story would have just been one of those other one of those I guess slipstream style things, right? Well, well yeah. how does that happen? So, Whoops. Um, He's yeah. hanging out with 20 Rip Hunters in the science team. <laughs> so those are the houses. After that, they just have this group of uh, ragtag heroes who all kind of uh, meet up at bars and stuff. <laughs> the Barrio, bro. Yeah, I love that he calls it the Barrio. Right? The Gotham Barrio. But uh, Alan Moore calls them affectionately the drunks, hookers, and panhandlers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, as you will. Which I guess uh, it just consists of John Constantine, the Strangers of Sandy's Place, the Phantom Lady, right. the Doll Man, Uncle Sam, Black Hawk, Plastic Man, Kong Gorilla, Green Arrow and Black Canary, The Question, The Batman, The Shadow, The Metal Man, Robot Man, Adam Strange, and anybody else he can think of from uh, if the story had gotten pitched. Right. <laughs> right. Basically. And like he's just taking all these people to their sometimes horrific uh, conclusions. Like, the like doll man is like some weird spindly, like stick bug man <laughs> inside of a fish tank. I really wish uh, I could have seen how that would have been drawn. Right, Phantom Lady is like sleeping with everybody. Phantom like she's Lady, like it, it, it just sleeps with whoever she wants to because she's old. But she's a nice right, girl who right. runs a bar. It's uh, it's Plastic Man who's the hooker, right? Uh, I, yes, Plastic Man is Plastic a, a, a gigolo. Man is a hooker because he can make his dick whatever size he wants it to be, but his skin yeah. is pitching fucked up now. <laughs> yeah, and he goes into like great detail about all that shit. But then like Uncle Sam, like of all characters, like he oh, he man. goes on this diatribe of like that was great because <laughs> Uncle Sam would have been a reflection. Of the country because that's what he is. 
That's what he's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. But he would have turned him into like some wild ass, like a like he didn't know it at the time, but the word he was looking for right. was Trump supporter. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was basically just yelling random, really kind of xenophobic American first shit. Like he would just be drunk. Running down the street and then just be like for liberty and like, just say random patriotic things, but more jingoistic, which it implies more like malice towards other places that are in America, and that's not great, you know. And this is a character that was created like World War One, basically, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, he still finds a way to kind of rip him of his dignity. And then Constantine, I think I. I, I gotta check, but he like writes like, but Constantine like he's still cool and he still got it. Like he got his finger on the pulse. And he I'm like, changed a bit. You really dig? I was like, you really like this content? And I, you know, he does. He loves Constantine. Like I love Constantine. We'll see in the story. You created him. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I thought that was really cool uh there's a cool thing that he does that we'll get to in the end with constantine but uh that's pretty much it with yes. the cast of characters which is great because the way that he introduced these characters makes it very easy to get into the plot yes um but i also think that it's extremely as a dc fan i would be going where the hell is batman like the fact great. that it's gonna come that, around like that's the i feel like right but, the, but like the, that way Am I wrong to think that he's not a big fan of the guy? I, I wouldn't. I don't I, think Alan more like Batman. <laughs> I don't know that I would. I don't know. I don't know about that because it's like I don't know that he has anything specifically against Batman because Batman is silently the like hero of the story. <laughs> you know, like you know. Oh, you know what? I'm writing. I'm writing headcanon. You know why he don't fuck with Batman? Because Batman's a millionaire. There it is. He's a I capitalist. Hates capital. And even though he does good. Yeah, even though he does good with his money, it's still to him. It's not as if Robin Hood was rich, and he did he 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 like if Robin Hood was going out and 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 creating businesses and then at night robbing other businesses and, and giving it to the poor people. Because he says something really great here about Batman and uh, his his secret cabal of characters, which would have had uh, which he wanted to know if he could have. Tarzan and Doc Savage, which wouldn't have been. What popular. conversation was Batman and Tarzan having? Well, I guess the idea that all of these, all of these characters are more than just people; they're elemental forces. So they haven't really changed, oh, okay. except that they had to adapt to live in this environment. That's and uh, they had to be bought by their respective companies because DC did not own them. Yeah, <laughs> basically that's actually the quote. Uh, being more than element, more than people, they are elemental forces. These characters have remained exactly the same, except they got tougher. Yeah. <laughs> right. The metal men have a fucked up uh, life. Uh, um, as a prostitute, right? Platinum is working as a waitress in an auto sex bar. Iron is a construction worker currently corroding and losing his faculties as the rust claims his mind. Uh, Will Magnus Ugh. is dead, so no one can fix these robots. Tin has gotten destroyed. Mercury got destroyed. Gold is in high demand on the Earth in these days, so gold is in hiding. Uh, yeah, yeah, they can't find gold. They can't find gold, which he, I wish he'd have stood in hiding. Robot Man of the Doom Patrol is still <laughs> out here. He's friendly with all of with someone in every house. He's kind of the in between guy, which is right. kind of cool because Robo Man's. He robot man is a pretty cool guy. <laughs> pretty chill. He's pretty chill. 
And Adam Strange is trapped on Earth. We uh he he would have been the kind of not the Rorschach, but the character who's like the crazy old man, always around, always around, and then at the end you find out, oh, that's Adam Strange? What the fuck? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was right. Oh the whole time? <laughs> Uh, do you want to get into this story? Oh yeah, the story is the, the story, which which a lot of it, thankfully, thanks to the way that he introduced all these houses, very in very detailed, uh, in a very detailed manner, we pretty much know our setting in the Twilight world now, right? Yes. So I guess the yeah. story starts with this. The story starts at the end of the story, which is in our present day, uh, quote unquote, nineteen eighty seven. John Constantine drunk at a bar. Uh, a lady comes up to him, asks him for a light. He's depressed. Uh, I guess in the moment between her asking him for a light and his response is where our story takes place. Him, right. That him. very small moment. Yeah. So, so the depressed, messed up, drunk Constantine that we've gotten has already heard the story that we're about to hear. So it's kind of like yeah. uh, going to give you the, uh, this is not going to have a happy ending if that's what you're here for. As a matter thing. of fact, isn't he drinking because of the the yes. letter? Yes, he's drinking. Okay. He, 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 he's, uh, so he's sitting at the bar. He's got this crumpled letter in his hand. We can't see what it is yet. He's drunk. He's kind of uh, alone, looking very pit- bitter and pissed. So we, we, right. we, we're, this is kind of the foreshadowing of how the fan might be after he's done reading it. <laughs> I can see that. So we, so within the moment, we flash back uh, a few months earlier in the year. John Constantine gets a visit from Rip Hunter, who's come from the Twilight world with a message from the older John Constantine to try to get him to warn other heroes of the present to uh, to whatever the warning would have been. They never actually got into the details of that, and I guess that's really. Am I too soon? I think yeah. I'm too soon. <laughs> Lois is the key. <laughs> right. The idea being that uh, if the other writers of other stories using these characters wanted to get involved in the Twilight, they can create the reasons on their own. And if they don't want to get involved in the Twilight, then their character not getting involved is, in fact, the reason why things happened yes. the way that it did. Yes. That was the best part about it is that no matter what writers chose to do, it was the correct choice because yeah. that's how it was always going to end with twilight everything is still ending in that you know going in that direction which is pretty cool so as i said earlier uh the the, the he's kind of giving all the warnings that would have been the vehicle for tie-in issues but uh we're not told the entire the entire story of what uh what the twilight future is just yet that would have been saved for a later for a reveal later on but uh yeah interestingly enough the way that he like, I don't. I would suspect that in the modern era, if you were to write a comic pitch, you would kind of give up the, the, the the turn or the reveal. But he wrote this like reveal. it was a story. Absolutely. Yeah, he wrote it like it like it was a story. Like literally, you don't get like the big reveals to like the last page of this like sixteen. And page. I can just. I can just imagine because, like, I can just imagine how how he must have told the story in person, like verbally. Because of, from what from what I've gathered, reading around online, like writers have <laughs> spoken about how Alan Moore would corner them at bars and kind of hit them with this hour <laughs> hour long pitch and just give them this whole story. So I can just imagine like he would use that same format and he just wouldn't give you the reveal until the end. 
<laughs> like oh. it, it, looking at the houses, um, is there anything that you can see that sh- uh, might point to a fundamental misunderstanding of any character? Because I think uh, that sometimes with with um, artists handling crossovers, sometimes people lose their voice, or you know, certain characters may lose their motivations. When j- just on the outline that we have, do you think that he's kind of he's gotten anybody wrong? I don't know that. Uh, I mean, the one that sticks out is Superman, but that's on purpose. That's uh, that's yeah. written, written yeah. in spite of what he is. Then that kind of shows a um, a deeper understanding. Um, yeah. Honestly, the 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 Captain Marvel not being able to like go of his humanity was kind of spot on. Uh, yeah, Dick Grayson might be the one. Might be the one. It, it's probably Nightwing because I've never seen Nightwing as one to become edgy. He kind of he kind of more edgy than Bruce, right? Because yeah. he's like the he's he's Bruce without the. I mean, he has the heartache, but he don't have the hatred. Okay, so he's not supposed to at least. So his version of Nightwing would have lacked the death the depth of compassion and understanding that Batman has, which keeps him from killing people. Whereas I yeah. always felt like Nightwing, this is before the red hood though. This is definitely this is before red hood. So maybe he was on to something. Absolutely. was going to end up that way. So he was definitely on to something. I guess, <laughs> but uh, the future has shown us that Nightwing doesn't end up that way. But I guess at the time Nightwing uh, wouldn't have been, really fleshed out he was a fresh character he had just come out from under batman's wings so i guess i can yeah i can give him some, cut him some slack there uh i guess getting getting kind of back to the plot uh john constantine's going around uh he's giving the warnings uh i'm kind of scrolling back here <laughs> but um yeah uh oh boy i lost myself because i i had it because i had it a bit in um chronological order yeah, no, I, I have it. In... I wish I have. I, I got yeah, the. So... I got the. Uh, I got the the pitch exactly the way that it was written. <laughs> okay, so, so let me let me try to, let me try to take the wheel here. Then, so let's let's set the let's set the universe of Twilight up. So, um, this is the story that Rip uh purports to um John Constantine in the past. Um, in the middle of 1995 or earlier, when society was starting to break down, many of the villains on Earth try to take advantage of this situation by exploiting the uncertainty and disaster um, that the world was in. Very angry about this, the current Justice League decides to go on the offensive and plan a careful campaign that will remove all supervillains forever. They enlist the aid of all of a lot of other superheroes in this, and they're mostly effective. So effective that they begin to be seen as the only effective force of reason and order in a fast crumbling world. This goes to the assembled heroes heads a little bit. And in an attempt to secure their new power base, they pass a majority motion, which this is what you were talking about, a vote, a majority motion outlawing aliens from Earth. While this is passed and is rigorously enforced, it's one of those decisions that causes the first serious rift in ranks of the assembled superdoers, with some small groups like the Titans starting to drift away from the main group. Elsewhere, the question, the question's current case is one that has him totally mystified. A midget turned up at a rough trade bar and was seen by witnesses finally vanishing to an upstairs room with a very tall, tall, a very tall, a very beautiful girl that no one has ever seen before. When the doors were broken down, um, nobody emerged from the room for several hours, and there was a body of a midget. 
There's a body of a midget found, bound and gagged. I'm, you'll find out what I'm laughing later. I'm not just laughing at the body of a midget. Um, uh, with his neck broken with a single clean blow. The room was locked with no other possible exit, and the call girl was gone with no murder weapon. Did you try to guess what this was when you no, first heard it? I, I, it's the first time I read it. I, I kind of, I figured it would come around because it was a Chekhov's gun okay. kind of thing. You, you don't introduce yeah. it without the intention of uh, coming back to it. But I didn't, I didn't think that it would be as essential to the story as it ended up being. Right, because the way he says it is like a weird tangential news article it's a throw oh by the way yeah oh by the way this is what the question is doing he's on some other kick but it's like oh that literal case is what causes all this seemingly um back at the house of thunder um in the future or i guess in the in the twilight era um uh captain marvel lately has started to meet more and more marital demands upon mary's time Marital demands. Is that that's sexual, right? Am yeah, I getting that right? Absolutely. I'm not he, he's, he's that, that his wife isn't doing him because she's banging Captain Marvel Jr. You know? Yes. Yes. And yeah, like he's he's totally invested in Captain Marvel Jr., which is also causing a weird riff in the House of Steel household because they're kind of getting on Supergirl's case for not being more like available. To to Captain Marvel Jr. not realizing that Captain Marvel Jr. is not even looking her way because he's doing Mary Marvel. <laughs> he's not even paying attention. Um, but the weird thing is, Captain Marvel's acting strange. He's he's being nice to people, which was really weird. And he no longer goes to talk to the tiger, that which was something that he used to do. Um, in the background, while all this is going on, we see Constantine moving around and with various characters trying to gather bits of information here and there. Um, concocting some sort of plan. Uh, how how do you think John Constantine is portrayed in this story? Because I think he's given a little bit too much to do. I think he's pretty much... I don't mind that he was given so much to do because you needed a character um, to be who he is. He is um, Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's the guy who's moving the pieces here. And yeah. and honestly, I know we haven't gotten more too much of Constantine in <clears throat> popular media, but um, until recently, and I guess in the recent, uh, I guess Apocalypse War movie, you can kind of see him starting to be used in this way as well. This right. is the way that Constantine should be used. This is the way that that Constantine should be used in the DC universe proper, as the kind of uh, as the kind of con artists uh get get his way and kind of move the pieces to make sure that everything always happens the way he needs it to happen or the way that's uh is going to benefit the world even though it doesn't it always it always does benefit him more than everyone else it usually does benefit everyone but i like that he's moving all these pieces around himself because nobody really pays attention to constantine they're all flying around in the sky and doing their thing and he's in the alleys gathering information (laughs) <laughs> right. One of the, one of the things that's kind of a hallmark of his character is that he is usually unshaken. Like this is a man who has, you know, hung out with Swamp Thing, talked to dead men. He's seen the living and the dead. He's seen gods and men. He's, uh, you know, he's had beers with chimps. He's and he's, you know, like he's, he's, he's right permanently unimpressed, very jaded by everything. Yes. Yes. And he was designed to look like Sting. 
Which is like a, a nice little funny little tidbit there. But um he is he's the one uh, doing things in the background and the um like we said everyone's getting ready for this marriage but now paranoia is starting to bug out between all the all the other lesser houses because they're like this is we can't we literally can't let this happen. And so the Titans um it, it, he's pitching that the Titans probably maybe would then go and approach the Justice League about like, yeah, we should totally join forces and maybe even include the villains, the House of Secrets to stand against this uh, threat. And so a plan starts to emerge for a mass attack on the House of Steel and Thunder on the wedding day. I'm, 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 the reason why I'm stopping is there's a lot of perhaps and maybe, but you're writing the story, so... I'm just going to go with, uh, yeah, the attack on the wedding day um, in hopes that both houses can be eliminated and the country divided up uh, between victors. Meanwhile, we see Blackhawk at the bar continuing to recruit his new Blackhawks. And we see Constantine starting to step up his plan, making contact with more and more of the people he's going to need to accomplish it. For one thing, we see him uh, finally manage to make contact with the elite council of the Shadow, the Batman, and maybe Doc Savage and Tarzan as well and learn of their plan to oust all the superheroes from Earth. Constantine seems eager to help them with this, although we aren't sure about how much of a double game he's playing. He also seems to be making a pact and a contact with Adam Strange, and through gaining Strange's confidence, learns of the aliens' plan attack on Earth. So the aliens are planning to attack Earth. Batman is planning to oust all the superheroes from Earth. The Titans, Justice, and Houses of Secret are hoping to... Uh, ruin this wedding and all of this is coming to the head and the only person that knows seemingly all the facts is john constantine which makes him a very dangerous player in this game oh sorry also also uh fun to consider that this is still very early in the existence of john constantine so the character would have still been being molded at the time but alan moore pretty much hits the nail on the head which is to be expected of the guy who created the character but still fun to so then what do you think what do you think that is like do you think with him being so much in his infancy right um do you think dc would have went with him being the kind of main character of this absolutely or is that more of like a more is that because he doesn't have that uh because he doesn't have that kind of crazy pre-existing long pre-existing history you can kind of mold him to be whatever you need him to be at the time and that for a character who's supposed to who who's supposed to be uh playing every side against each other i don't know that the dc universe even had someone like that uh at the time other other than batman but but uh <laughs> you use batman in this way and you kind of make him out to be an asshole in the end of it and i don't know that the editorial would like that very much well that's what i'm saying would they have liked that that this writer uses his character to kind of make kind of play everybody because that's ultimately what Constantine does in this story including yeah, play I himself I don't know that would have taken personally I don't know if anything uh, just like great because we got this Hellblazer book coming very soon <laughs> and we could use doing it. some homework doing some homework Constantine comes out in 85 yep. um, Watchmen was published in 86 this uh, purports this uh, this um, uh, Twilight of Superheroes purports to have been written around 87 88 yeah so yep. yeah, this would have been two years after the character's creation. Yeah, so wait, which they're already going the, for some. When does the Hellblazer book start to come out? Actually, because like, I feel like it's pick in, up. 
Oh, oh, because he makes his debut in um Swamp Thing, no? In Swamp Thing, yeah. Uh, it's oh yeah, Hellblazer would have been January '88. I think they would have been. I think they would have been absolutely down to have the star of their next big Vertigo book, uh, play a big hand in this DC crossover, if only to be like, hey, uh, look at all this stuff. And I feel like a story like this Go one read Vertigo. Would, I feel like a story like this one would have came out under Vertigo anyway. If only yes. It was, yeah. It was so adult, <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of adult oriented. <laughs> right. Right. Um. So, while urging the Titans and Justice League to strike while the iron is hot, and simultaneously urging Captain Marvel not to defend his allies, Constantine is at the same time urging Batman and the Shadow to hold back their attack upon the superpowers until a more advantageous time. So he's literally. Directing oh, traffic. Yeah, we should this, like we should put a attack. spotlight on the moment when he uh, spoke to Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, I, I yeah yeah. Wait, uh, if only because that's definitely going to come around in the end. I thought I wrote that down, but I it's a pretty quick moment because as he's gathering information and doing everything that we had mentioned earlier, he does come to the House of Thunder and he has a conversation with Captain Marvel, who's a bit erratic. So we're uh, so he went to his house, right? I don't know why I thought oh, this was like a phone call or something. No, he, I'm like, how the hell he ever responds to the lighter? He went to his house. Yeah, he went to the House of Thunder, which okay. is maybe one of the hologram things John Constantine does. You know, they never got right yeah, yeah. But he did go straight to the house. He spoke right to him and he kind of told him, you know, don't attack. Don't help the House of Steel when this war happens. So it's like, yeah. why should I do that? And Constantine lights a cigarette. Captain Marvel flinches at the fire and then they both smile at each other. And then we move on. Yep, and he's like, he's like, he's like, because I have a feeling that you, you have invested interest in this as well. And then he just doesn't say anything. Um. So Constantine urges Strange to commence the alien invasion after the Titans in the League and the House, uh, what the Titans League and House of Steel and Thunder have had a chance to weaken and decimate each other at the wedding. So he's gonna let everybody fight, and then he's gonna call in the alien armada. Uh, to come in through, and then I seemingly then the Batman group, which I think that's exactly how it happened. Yes. Um, um, so they agree. Constantine also finds gold of the Metal Men, uh, Metron as well, and oh, Metron's cripple, and uh, he uses Metron's chair for reasons to be explained later. Um, on the wedding day, the planned attack by the Titans, Justice League, and villains upon the House of Steel and Thunder gets underway. The losses are heavy upon both sides. Wonder Woman, the former Wonder Girl, is killed in battle by Superwoman, who is Wonder Woman. Oh, man, that's <laughs> confusing. That's confusing. I actually had Diana kill Cassie, who yes. then gets killed, who Diana is now killed by Captain Adam. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I mean, Moore has gotten his share of criticism about female characters. <laughs> he was like, I'll just, I'll just like, leave that there. Let's tear these bitches apart. <laughs> Superboy is also killed. He's like one of the main characters in the story as well. He's dead. Um, along with most of the Justice League. The way he writes that, the way he writes, along with most of the Justice League Titans and supervillains, is such a hand wavy, right? Like, yeah, because yeah, I, I the assume there would be too. like 60 characters, like 60 freaking characters there, and the, the artists yeah. decide who they want to draw all strong out. 
you know? Yep, and then and then Didio puts out, who's going to die in yeah. Twilight of the Superhero? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, cool. uh, Captain Marvel, who has been expecting the attack after being warned by Constantine, is unharmed, while Captain Marvel Jr. and Mary Marvel decide to take advantage of the confusion to flee into space, where they hope to make a new home, and Supergirl goes with them. There, this is that, that part it. is never addressed, right? After that, that was it, <laughs> right? They, yeah, they don't they just go off. Yeah, they just like, this earth shit. I'm gonna go bang my uh, mistress, and Supergirl's like, "Can I come with you?" Because <laughs> <laughs> my family crazy, <laughs> and my mama dead. So, so just uh, yeah. so all that's left is Captain Marvel and Superman. He's getting his ass kicked. And wait, uh, I just realized that Supergirl is going. With the couple, and that's the guy that she was supposed to marry. That's the guy who she was supposed to marry, but like, knowing that they don't have to get married made it easier for her to be like, ah, I'd totally hang out with you guys then. You know? yeah, yeah. And they all just go and live happily ever after. I'd like to think that Captain Marvel Jr. gets to have them both, but that's just me. Right. Because uh, <laughs> he's hardcore. He's hardcore. <laughs> Uh, this leaves only Captain Marvel and a bat- badly battered Superman standing amongst the bruised and bloody re- remnants of an army of beaten superheroes. The attempted coup by the Titans and League has been successfully repulsed, and the three houses lie shattered. But all that remains of the two most powerful houses are the two archetypal superheroes standing back to back, waiting for what's going to be thrown at them next. This turns out to be the alien invasion arriving via Zeta Beam. An army of Hawkmen, Lanterns, and Martians pour into Earth. That I can actually see, and that would be horrifying. Like, uh, like just winged, winged warriors and green Scary. creatures and and lanterns. I would have been like, "Oh my God, what is going on?" Um, I, th- that Thanagarian garb is just like that's some warrior shit right there. The mace and everything. Um. Oh my gosh, you've so, got to let me. You've got to let me handle the reveal when you get to it. The Captain Marvel. Oh, I got this, you. This little piece of dialogue uh, is just fascinating. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, 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 so they pour into Earth all the aliens to quickly get rid of what remains of the army. Obviously, Superman and Shazam are mostly Superman has killed everybody, but they're they're picking up the the stragglers at this time. Then they advance on the main palaces. Superman isn't worried though because he's like, yeah, Captain Marvel's right here, and we could come on. We've always known that the houses together can defeat the aliens. But this is where the surprise card is played, Yogi. That's so great. Captain Marvel is not Captain Marvel. He's never been done. (laughs) He was not Captain Marvel in this entire story. Captain Marvel has been dead since the story opened. Now, I'm going to read this actually verbatim. So bear with me. Go ahead. Because <laughs> it needs to be explained in the, in the only way I can yeah, explain it. There's no other way. So uh, here we go. It had all started with little Billy Batson and his problem. There he was, unwilling to give up being human, still spending a lot of time in a child's body. The unfortunate thing was that though little Billy's body didn't age, his mind did. Trapped in a child's body, but afflicted with adult needs, Billy went quietly. <laughs> well, bats, I suppose. He went crazy. A lot of the problems were sexual. Billy, so you're telling me Billy went bats, son? Billy went bats. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Billy's problems were sexual. Physically, Billy was not. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Did you know that? I did. I can imagine. 
how that would be a problem because you kind of go through puberty with like an adult's body. So I can just imagine I, this, how messed the, up it is. But, he writes it so matter of fact, though, right? Like he writes it like, oh, oh yeah, of course. Majority <laughs> of his problems would be sexual. Like that's, that's, that's <laughs> Physically, Billy was not capable of normal sex and thus pretty soon began to experiment with more bizarre variations such as S&M. Visiting the appropriate bars and clothing that made him look as a grown up as possible while he still had the face and body of a child. At a certain club on a certain night, <sighs> Billy had met a strikingly tall call girl who seemed to meet his every fantasy. <laughs> they went to a room upstairs together and locked it from within. Billy was tied up and then agreed to be gagged. At this point, uh, the call girl began to melt and change shape shimmering as if through a heat haze before Billy's startled eyes. In the end, instead of a six-foot-six human woman, Billy is staring at a seven-and-a-half-foot-tall green Martian man. It is John Jaans, the Martian Manhunter, on Earth incognito using his power of disguise. Billy being he doesn't gagged. Like, he doesn't like the exile, man. He no, doesn't like he does the not. the aliens and not Billy Earth. being gagged cannot say Shazam and turn into Captain Marvel. Nor can he prevent the Martian Manhunter from snapping his neck with the blow of one hand. So, yes, Billy Batson was the midget <sighs> who got killed. <laughs> yes, yes. And the idea that they wouldn't know how to distinguish that, like the question wouldn't know the difference between a midget and a and an eight-year-old boy or whatever, it's just, it's just him hand-waving away, like, <laughs> the whole thing. But I just remember reading that, and the more I read, like the set, every sentence got crazier. Like, it, like, oh, by the way, it's not, it's not Shazam, it's Marshman Hunter. Oh, by the way, Billy has a weird sexual fetish thing. Oh, by the way, you know, fucking John's kind of <laughs> pretended to be a prostitute to get close to the whole situation. And I'm just like, what is going on? And so, because it's Martian Manhunter now, um. You know, Superman goes to attack, and he's like, "What the hell is going on?" He's now he's surrounded by aliens, um, and so the, all the aliens attack Superman, and he's fending them off, majority of them. But then, the the Daxamite Green Lantern member, the Ultimate Green Lantern, Sodom Yat, uh, kills the Man of Steel. He gets the one credited of uh, I thought, being able to kill Superman. I thought it was pretty nuts that after he goes through all that crazy, uh, crazy Billy Batson reveal, that Superman just kills the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Yeah, yep. it was just a stall. It was just a stall, I guess, yeah. to get everybody in here. <laughs> he just kills the shit out of him, and then and then like the idea that the Green Lantern, you understand, like the um, Constantine who he wrote is kind of pulling all the strings, and then the Green Lantern that he wrote is the one who killed Superman. So I'm like, I see you, Alan Moore. I see what you're doing over there. Um, so uh, the aliens seem to have won, and they will hold dominion over Earth. But it seems that's not the case. Turns out, Constantine, in a two-pronged attack, found gold and created armor for him Bat- and Batman's team of heroes. That is so So they were unaffected up. by the Green Lantern Corps <laughs> rings. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he describes it, he's like, they all just show up covered in gold. And he's like, oh. Oh, no. They <laughs> gold, gold oh, anyway. No. That is messed up. For armor. <laughs> for armor. <laughs> um. This was, I think, like, so all these things, I'm like, okay, okay. But the one that got me was he sold out all of the alien planets to Quard in exchange for immunity for Earth. So basically, he gave them boom tube tech. So um, if the aliens stayed on Earth fighting, 
like they are right now, warrior Quardians would just colonize their abandoned planets. They would just take over. And so the aliens literally are like, we got to go back home. Like, like they left the stove on. And so they all kind of bounce, uh, which was hilarious. And that ends up leaving Constantine uh, with the Batman and his merry men of folklore. And the earth is pretty much left to Constantine and Batman and normal men for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's revealed. Would you, do you want to do the final twist? Oh, yeah. So after uh, after the war is done, the humans are standing in the dust. The dust is settled. Everything Constantine wanted has come to pass. And now he gives the message to Rip Hunter to take to the past. So it turns out uh, Constantine in the past has been played. Uh, Constantine in the future wanted this future to come to pass exactly the way it did because humanity cannot evolve to meet their to meet their uh promise <laughs> to meet their potential yeah. if yeah. the superheroes continue to be involved so this was all a kind of plan to have the earth evolve on its own so constantine figures this out and this is where we are back at the beginning of the story which is actually the end of the story where the lady has come to kind of uh give constantine well, she came to ask him for a cigarette. So the Dear John letter from John Constantine kind of lets him know that, uh, yeah, you've been... Dear John from John, right? Yeah, Dear John, a Dear John letter from John. From John. <laughs> <laughs> kind of lets him know that, yes, you've been played, but don't worry about it. You know, you do end up with this wonderful woman. And he's kind of brought up this wonderful woman that he's going to spend a long time of his life with for quite uh, like he's brought it up like four times now in the story to the point where it's yeah. now. He, Younger Constantine kind of realizes this woman who's asking him for the cigarette is that woman that he's going to fall in love with for the next 20 years of his the life. love of his life. Yeah. The, so, the, the, this is one of the things that Rip Hunter had told them was like, you're going to meet a woman. She's going to ask you for a light and that's going to change your life forever. You guys are going to be. That's one of the things that kind of kept Constantine going was knowing that there is a future where that exists and that happens. And he fought a lot of the um, that angst in that we see in the beginning of the story is that he did fight valiantly and try to uh, inform as many heroes as he could about the events of the of the upcoming or incoming crisis future and feels like for some reason it's not working like that's where he's initially he's like what the hell is going on like i feel like i'm doing everything i'm being told to do so going around and informing everybody about this but i still don't feel like i'm like it's working and that's when he gets the letter that's like oh yeah by the way um I always intended you, you. It is working. You're doing exactly what what I wanted you to do. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not what you think it is, which is you're not preventing that timeline. We need that timeline, and in a very Alan Moore esque you know way, it, that's how he sees it. That the ruling class would always subjugate those underneath them. I I kind of want to read his take on like Lex Luthor because I think that's very a very Lex Luthor uh, opinion to have like about the um superheroes and the ultimate superman because that's how lex feels he's like if we allow them to think that they can solve all of our problems we will lose the ability to solve problems absolutely and i i kind of believe that i kind of believe that that sense um it, it it unnerves more that we are so subservient i guess you would say or he would say to um superheroes that we're so willing to be like, you know, hey, you know, do what you got to do. 
But uh, yeah, so I think I thought the in a very Alan Moore ending, <laughs> Constantine kind of he's figured out that this is the one, and he looks at her and he kind of realizes this is my way to get back at future Constantine, and he tells her no, I don't have a light, I don't smoke, so she leaves, and the story ends with uh, a drunk Constantine. In his dimly lit corner table, crying his cold and cynical heart out, knowing that he has let the love of his life walk out of his life, and he has probably sent the Earth into a uh, crazy war-torn future. Yes, and one of those, one of the things, the extra kickers, is this idea that he, um, when he read the letter, the first thing that like the first inclining or inclination that he had was to get revenge. And then he remembered, I can't get revenge on somebody in the future. Like what? And I can't get revenge on myself until he creates this self-sabotage plan. Um, if, if he can't ensure that the end of the world won't happen as he was meant to, then he's going to ensure the end of his own personal world or the, make sure that he, that happy ending that he's supposed to get uh, doesn't come about and it's 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 a it is it's incredibly cynical it's incredibly um dark it's it's depressing um but i think it's very constantine as well i think as as the man the snake oil salesman sometimes as the the hustler and the bustler and the guy who knows a guy who knows a guy um he would be that upset by getting swindled and I think he would try to swindle himself in the future somehow, you know? Like, oh I think he tried to swindle. I've seen him play cards with, with demons and stuff. Like, he really don't care who he gets one over on. But he really, really doesn't like when someone gets one over on him. I think it's funny because it's like no one, usually no one can. No one no one can yeah. usually get one over on John Constantine. But who would be the only person who's able to but himself 20 years wiser? <laughs> yeah. yeah i also want to think that i also want to think that old constantine um never thought of that possibility because he didn't think like you know when you're young and dumb <laughs> like he's like what's what's he gonna do you know like he wouldn't he wouldn't sabotage his own life like he wouldn't like he wouldn't he wouldn't we're not that dumb and then i guess he just wakes up one morning and that lady's not there and it's like son of a bitch <laughs> Um, why do you think this wouldn't have worked, Yogi? Uh, I think mostly it ends up being the multi, the bringing back uh, the multiverse thing. But I, I can also see maybe uh, at the time DC not wanting to portray their heroes like that. But but they had already done the Dark Knight Returns. You know, you already made Superman into a fascist puppet. So I don't know that that You're right. I don't know that that would be the problem so much as he just did he just wanted to immediately bring back all these alternate story earths you know and they were just like we went through so much trouble to clean up continuity and we and 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 he kind of says it in the pitch that the idea after crisis was to limit time travel where he immediately wanted to use time travel in his story. It yeah, was all yeah. these, I think the, the the editorial edicts at the time that he was completely going in the face of again of of is the reason that the story didn't come to pass because it's like the 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 bad kid in class. You just did all the things we told you not to. Um, 
I know you're talking about how they portrayed Superman in Dark Knight Returns, but do you believe that um, Billy could have survived that characterization? Yeah, I mean, he again, like we, we there is a part of me that wants to say, well, maybe he would have let the characters unusable, but he put them in a context where they can continue being who they are while yeah. also uh, uh, being this crazy future whacked out version of him. Though, in the case of Billy Batson, at the time, I want to say he had been getting a DC... Uh, like, he, he he was still new to the DC universe. Like, he had been owned by DC for the last, I like, had 10 years, 20 years, but they used him rarely within the context of their own shared universe and then they were starting to now and immediately alan moore's like well he has sexual problems <laughs> so and they're right like, right 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 like, man um that's a little much <laughs> that stuff reminded me of you know the idea because i had did a bunch of research for a watchman article that i wrote um it reminded me that he initially wanted to use the brand new out of the box charlton yep. characters yep. for watchman Yep. So, and I heard that one of the idea, one of the problems with that was they wanted to be able to use those characters in the future. So if he would have had his way, it would have been, you know, Blue Beetle as Night Owl. And it would have been the question as Rorschach. And it would have been Captain Adam as um, Dr. Manhattan and so on and so forth. Uh, but DC was like, we, if we want any use of these guys in the future, we kind of can't let you let them be, you know, <laughs> uh, the scourges of society. So I wonder if that if that had anything to do with it as well. I sure it would have been mostly Shazam of of all of of all the characters to to if that was a if that was a problem it would have been Shazam because he was probably yeah. one of the newer characters yeah. that they had been using and uh, of course Alan Moore wanted to use him in that way. But again, I personally I'm if I ever if I ever came across the money, I would personally commission this story to be written and drawn. I'd do it myself. I would have it printed and I would have it on my shelf. It's, uh, I would get this story done. I want to see it painted. I can see it in my mind. Okay. I would have. I would have loved to read this as a comic book. I enjoyed the pitch. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I enjoyed it as just text. So I would have wanted to see this as a full comic book. Absolutely. It definitely would have been salacious. It definitely would have been like it would have turned the the studio on its head. But it, like you were just saying, um, I I heard people criticize the um, uh, pitch as it being kind of Alan Moore high on his own power. For this sure. idea that he had created Constantine did well with Watchmen, like the amount of like people would see. People would consider a pitch like that from a earlier writer kind of blasphemous, right? Like, you know, like <laughs> you kind of come in and you're like, well, I have, you know, I know what I'm doing. And he did. He, Alan Moore's always been extremely confident and extremely thorough in his in his vision. But people have to buy into the vision first. That's so I, I wonder if he thought it was a slam dunk at this point. That's like what yeah. they wanted these that, guys to do. So, I mean, it's like I hope they did not feel like, oh, man, who was he? Because at the time... He 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 had already kind of had a proven track record. 
He'd been in the business. Yeah. Now he wasn't like this this fresh cat. You know, Watchmen wasn't like the only story he had done. But so I, I this this was almost about the at the at the end at the end of his superhero right. career. More than anything, nineteen eighty seven. He's got about ten years in. Uh, I, I don't. And think he's he gonna too. Uh, out of his uh, like he, I don't think he was overreaching. I think I think in regards okay. to doing everything that editorial told you not to do, he was overreaching. Sure, right. But in the way that he was using the character, <laughs> no. Like why why would you why would you create a character and have the opportunity to use them and then not put the spotlight on them because you think that uh, somebody else's more pre existing character could be better? It's like no, nah, if I can. If I can give my guy a little spotlight, I absolutely will. I'm the one writing the story, <laughs> you know. If you want, yeah, you come in. You come in with the kind of Eric Bischoff approach of it. It's like you guys brought me in here to make this thing money. Yeah, no. so like, let me do my thing. Like, what, what is this? But uh, 100%. I, can, I can actually see. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know how much of. Uh, I I would love to know how personal he took this pitch being shut down. Because it seems like you put a lot of effort and thought into this, and for and I feel like he couldn't have taken the no too lightly. Well, another thing is that when I when I do the research for this thing, it obviously didn't ever come to fruition. But a lot of places didn't put the blame of it coming to fruition on um, DC knocking the pitch down more so that. Alan fell out with DC after the Watchmen stuff. Do so you think that has anything to do with with? with <laughs> I that think stuff? if he had stood with DC long enough to pitch it again, it might have come yeah. past. But I know okay. that they did tell him like they did like the multiverse thing was the main was the big thing for them. It was like okay that that's like that was the straw that was the big thing because it's like the we got rid of the alternate characters and futures because it was confusing so for you to be giving us a way to bring it back it doesn't make sense for us and I, does it help us because then if you decide you want to quit now we got to deal with the rest of this now, <laughs> this we're, now we're stuck and nobody knows how this thing works which again if looking in hindsight now with the ability to do that he was right. <laughs> like eventually like yeah. every writer on the staff felt the same way and they were always trying to sneak the multiverse back in and if somebody somebody eventually did do it so like right yeah <laughs> but um yeah i i absolutely another 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 british rock star like writer would go on to write an entire book about the multiverse yeah exactly uh, the one that uh alan moore didn't exactly get along with <laughs> right yeah that's that's ironic, but the main. Do you non? Do you know or slash understand the main crux of this whole Watchmen thing? It was that he sold the mm-hmm. publication rights, or was it? it or it, it, the rights to publish the book already belonged to DC to DC because right. he's using their characters. You know, they just they belong to them. But he had been promised that once DC stops publishing Watchmen. That they would give him the rights to those characters, and it is now the year twenty twenty, and the latest printing of Watchmen <laughs> came out about two months ago with an HBO logo on yeah. it. <laughs> Dan has one. Dan, the comic man, remember? He, <laughs> yes, he, he does. He got it. Yes, he does. So yeah, uh, yeah. So, needless to say, DC never stopped printing Watchmen. 
they I don't know that they thought it would be as big a success as it was at the time that they made him this promise. But his mistake was not getting that on paper. His mistake was yeah. trusting the industry. And that trust betraying him is the reason why he's so bitter. Yeah. Yeah, you can really see that more so than than it, it's it's a weird relationship because he hates I think more than anything else the bureaucracy of it all the of 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 creating art and as an artist I can see that right like if you were a rapper when they start talking to you about you know label disputes and and ratings and all that stuff I can see you being like I just want to make what I'm making and if you guys like it buy it so I could totally see him on that aspect of it but um he goes on to kind of spread that hate like you said to the fans and to the medium as a whole and maybe that's symptomatic of him because he doesn't like the business of it anymore he thinks that anyone who would is lesser does that make sense it absolutely does again it goes back to that thing where it's like he did this thing he didn't intend to do and now he hates what he's created it's kind of like he killed the thing that he loves and he hates himself for it yeah and he also prays to a bunch of like snakes and stuff. Yeah, that's also that. That's canonical. <laughs> <laughs> that's canonical. Let's talk about these um Kingdom Come. Uh, let's end with the Kingdom Come of it all because a lot of people say that although Twilight was never made, um, some of the elements were borrowed uh for Kingdom Come, if not outright taken. Yeah, uh, do you been... agree? Do you think it's a better, a better or worse version? Like, or... we, like we said before, like we were saying during the going through the plot, like uh, Sodom Yat. Uh, the the kind of future Constantine stories like uh, the the this is a lot of elements of this story have poked their head out in the DC universe. Uh, Kingdom Come is the more obvious one, but if you look deep enough, you can find a lot of this stuff <laughs> within a timeline. Right? Maybe Twilight is coming to pass. I don't know, but um, oh, the past is prologue. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if uh, if we can get the Snyder cut then maybe we should get twilight <laughs> like no that's the you could, thing. at the very least you could animate it i feel like i feel you know, like, or you know i feel like alan moore would like just kill himself afterward because like that's like the yes. last thing like for him to see that they turned the fucking twilight into a into a comic like they actually did it after telling right. him no <laughs> fuck <laughs> do you have nothing no, he, left yeah he, he'd, he'd probably me? spontaneously combust do you have nothing left you can take from me? Nothing at all. Oh god. my god! Yeah, they can't take any more from that man. I mean, it, I think Kingdom Come. Look at what happened right. though. Like exactly what he was scared of with Watchmen. Like before Watchmen, you know, like multiple, like multiversity has done. Yeah. Like his the HBO show was good as it was. You know, I, like. He wasn't he it, he it isn't I, his. It isn't, isn't his at the end of the day. He thought it was. But at the same time, it's like, man, you are a comic book writer. You came up uh do, do doing things with other characters that you didn't create as well. So where do you get off saying that nobody can play with your characters? But ah, it's uh it, it all yeah. depends on what how you think of it. But I think, man, this is this is now like my deep cut comic thing now you know oh yeah <laughs> like, you, oh, like other people will be like 
like this is the thing now yeah this is the thing now that i'm gonna be like but do you know about twilight yeah and if they do and if they don't that's gonna change my outlook on the whole thing honestly i'm gonna be like you know oh well also oh, you have read the interminable ramble hmm. you know and then picking my putting my pinky up in the air um i'm so i'm so glad i read it it's a little bit hard at first because it is a ramble like you're trying to pick up the facts and the figures and you don't really know when you first read it what all matters and what all doesn't because there's a lot of things he goes into great detail that have no effect on the story yeah and so it's like trying to weigh in what matters what doesn't what points he's trying to prove by what he's saying um what future he's is he trying to play out into this whole thing and i think in understanding the man understanding his journey through comics and then understanding how he feels about comic books it really paints a picture with twilight how he envisioned um superheroes and superheroes in general and i i can totally see why he would be seething at the fact of a new superhero movie every two months or something you know like i could totally see him why i i get why he's upset i would never be upset it gave us a podcast and platform but um i'm honestly uh, it's also a fun little insight as to into the industry a little bit you know like just we just read a pitch you know, like, like yeah, yeah, that uh, that didn't even come to pass, but we got the story from it. Like, I've I read, like, I, I read Twilight. I feel like I, I feel like I read this story. <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. And as far as the pitch, when, you, when you're talking about the pitch, um, I didn't even know that that's how that worked. I didn't know that they had to, you know, come up with uh, uh, uh I, probably not as lengthy as um Adam Moore's, but. I didn't know that was the process at all. And I would think a big wig like him could just walk in and be like, I'm doing this, this story about whatever. And to hear that there is, there's red tape and there's permissions and you got to talk about merchandising and how is this going to affect the films? And what am I going to do with these titles? And how are you going to handle these characters? And no time travel, but maybe some time travel and all that kind of stuff really shows you the obstacles that they have to go through. And I wonder if that's loosened at all or if anything you know gotten more rigid because we've heard about we've seen what things like movie synergy and uh, status quo can do to comics you know they can kill some characters dead after years of development after years of trying to you know go a certain direction with them which is what i'm thinking alan moore's vision was always be moving forward because the comics are in a weird position where unlike any other medium you're always in the the second act you know you're always in the second act with a comic you're you can go back and read the beginning if you want to odds are you'll never read the end because they're not working towards the end of a lot of these things so you're always in the middle and when you feel like you're always in the middle a lot of stories get lost because they there's no sense of time and evolution um and we've seen it, it it's it's crazy to have this this outlandish pitch you know, um, turned down, but then seemingly sold for parts, right? <laughs> I guess is the way to say it. That, that sounds about because right. Because ultimately, yeah, because ultimately they end up using some of the better better ideas and motifs in future works, um, and they don't have to credit Alan Moore for it. So well, uh, I guess that what I guess that works. Doing for a while now and as much as i love yeah. jeff johns he has a few times gone back into alan moore's old work and just been like let me take some of this and uh <laughs> right and uh and, and use it with like and, right. like, and like, obviously what? sometimes 
Sometimes it's tribute, right? Obviously, Some, like respect. Like, really, something it's, like Doom it's, Day a, it's a thing of reverence and stuff like that. But uh, then there's there's other times where he's just like, like the sold him yet thing. <laughs> <laughs> that man, that man, oh, man. everything. <laughs> I know, I know, he won't read it, but I would love to hear what he thinks of Doomsday Clock, man. I, I would really like to know. I think, I think how, he, I think he'd approve of the sort of subtle message Jeff John started sending to the people to the editorial of the company that's putting out the book within the book. Yeah. Yeah, I think Alan Moore would totally check that, that. Check that out. In in a microcosm, John's got to feel the kind of pressures yeah. of creating of that more feel creating Watchmen. It was probably different as in terms of like, you know, digital release and all kinds of weird, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming red tape and stuff, but it's not easy. It's hard on the creative sense alone. It's taxing on the mind. It's taxing on the body, uh, the time that you spend to, to pencil these things out and, and create this world and flesh it out. And then on top of that, um, you have to then turn it in for approval. And that's not easy as a, as somebody who creates, when you put your all into something, you don't necessarily want to put it up for people to tear it apart. You know, it that it's 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 your work. And I saw or I yeah, I saw a more interview where he equated being an artist to like filling a goblet for a sacrifice. <laughs> in the sense that in the sense that and it kind of makes sense in the sense that like if I'm going to cut myself to fill this goblet, I might as well fill the cup. I might as well, you know, like if I'm going to pour myself into this, into this work, into this project, I might as well give my full self in it because I'm going to cut myself anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm going, I'm, if I'm putting my foot in, I'm already agreeing to be a part of this. So you, as an artist, you're almost um, responsible to leave it all there. And he said something kind of beautiful, which was, yes, it's exhausting, but only the act is exhausting because what you're actually doing is energy transference. If you put your all into something, anything, a project, a, a book, a, a podcast, if you will, then every time you go back to that piece of art, that energy is contained within it. And you look back at stuff like Watchmen, Miracle Man, the stuff that we've covered here, Viva Vendetta. Even this bitch. That energy is still palpable. Yeah. That stuff is you can still feel it. He 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 knew what he was talking about, at least in that regard. And he's always gonna end up being somebody who kind of favors the creators more than the establishment. Yeah, I feel like most guys who work on that. Yeah. Side. And I, that kind of that kind of should be how it is a yeah. bit, right? You know, <laughs> the ones making the money for the establishment. Or so you end up uh, you end up right. as Jim Lee. <laughs> Oh dear, the man who started, the man who was on the revolutionary side of everything, right? And now he's a suit who does. Uh, well, he's a figurehead. I mean, obviously. he doesn't do anything really. Nope. And he sold. <laughs> and didn't he sell Wildstorm? He did. He sold that shit. <laughs> <sighs> I want to see. I want to see the 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 um the image six or seven uh, Zoom chat. Oh God! That's what I want to see. Put that reunion. Jim Lee does not come. put, the, put he that band. He he doesn't show up, and then they shit on him for fifteen minutes. The fuck! Oh dear! Oh my God! I yeah, I'm gonna see if I can contact somebody about that. See if we can get that going. Um, but 
but yeah, uh, love this pitch. Um, I'm going to see if I can find a way to link it when I uh, in the show notes so that people could have a, a frame of reference when they listen to the episode. Um, and I might even try to find a way to summarize this in short form to get people enticed to get into this. Cause I, I do think it's a bit, um, it needs to be heard. It needs to be read, but people might be a little bit trepidatious. And I think we can be the ones to, to shepherd I hope them so. into that. Honestly, there's no territory. I don't think there, I don't think I've ever seen another podcast cover this. I've seen like YouTube videos, but I think we'd, we, we, we'd be one of the few, if not the first. So I, I really, I feel yes. like this is one of, like you said, it's one of those things that it almost it needs to be read. There's so much, there's so much insight here and there's so much you can take away from this pitch. And I really hope that we were able to, uh, kind of summarize it in a way like it, and it, it could be a little confusing, but I hope that we were able to put it together in a way where you saw the story in our, in your head. The same yeah. Way that we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a pleasure to retell it. So I could imagine people going back, listening to this episode, reading the notes alongside and uh, really getting the enjoyment of the overall experience. Love that uh, we were able to cover this. And um, we're covering a bunch of other stuff for the coronavirus and everything else that's going on. The movies are shot. We usually uh, like to schedule around the big box office hits. Um, Tenet is going to be the uh, experimental film, right? The one that yeah. uh, if people end up going to go see it will then entice other um, studios to release their films in theaters, which means we're waiting to at least August to get our first comic book. Uh, film of the year that's crazy uh tenant is probably not coming out in july (laughs) they removed the release date from the website today (laughs) releasing soon Soon. 2020 (laughs) um yeah so you know uh, that's been a that's been a little bit knocked over but um like next week we're going to be tackling iron man extremis i really like that story i didn't really like the movie that they get they made of it um iron man 3 i think they is that oh no that's technivore i was trying to see if that other um anime movie was extremis but no that's tech rise of the technivore i definitely didn't watch any of those i have all of the marvel anime bro <laughs> I gotta find a way to like put it up somewhere. It's the weirdest stuff. It's like Blade and F- the Fantastic Four in anime, like drawn in anime oh, style. X Men, all in Japanese. It's the craziest thing. And it and they uh, they have the Avengers, but the Avengers are children who like have like these pogs that they throw out, and it makes them into the Avengers. <laughs> so it's like this kid, and then he throws out a disc, and then he becomes Thor. This bothers me. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So, whenever people think that we're gonna run out of content, I'm telling you, we are we are jam packed. Eventually, somebody's gotta watch Smallville. There's ten seasons of that. I've never seen it. We gotta get on that eventually. I, um, I'm tearing through Injustice. I'm really, really digging that right now. What are you reading as far as comics are concerned? Right now, I am reading a lot of the DC Young Adult books that they're putting out lately. They really. Uh, oh, what, what do you think? What do you think about that, Young Animal? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, no, that fake. <laughs> definitely uh, not. Uh, no, no, like uh, they've got their line. I think it's called the uh, DC. I think it had an, a fancy ink? name, but it doesn't ink? seem to. Was it ink? It could have been ink at one point, but they stopped using that, and it just says graphic novels for young adults. Uh, they're very they're, they're one shot stories. They're OGNs, original graphic novels. They don't. 
they're not beholden to any continuity. So it's always fun to just jump in, read real quick, and get out. Uh, the Shadow of the Batwoman was a great one about Cassie Lang. Uh, the Teen Titans Raven with uh, Gabriel Piccolo, who does all those, uh, all those hip drawings of Beast Boy and Raven hugging and like varsity jackets and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, he, he Riverdale for Teen Titans. Yeah, basically, right? He did the art for uh, Teen Titans Raven, which was written by Cami Garcia. That's another banger. Um, and and I had gone. What what was the most recent thing I read? Oh, this this Twilight. <laughs> Um, did you read like that weird Batman super the Super Sons one? Uh, which one is that? There's one with like they're on the one with Ian Wayne. Oh yeah, I have that here. I have both parts, uh, but I haven't read oh, it yet. My son really oh, okay. enjoyed them, and I, and I would guess that they're made for him more than they are for me. But right. any uh Super Sons content I can get. I'm willing to to absorb it because I did not get nearly enough Super Sons content when John Kent was still actually John Kent and not this f- f- shit. Right. <laughs> Meat glove. Yeah. yeah. Putting it on shirts. <laughs> Putting it on shirts. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is DC Inc. is the uh, young adult and then DC Zoom is the middle grade uh, comics. Oh, okay. Then that, so, that yeah. is. But it, they used to have the logos right yeah. on the trade dress. Now I don't see it anymore. I wonder if they're still going with that. This was a, the announcement they made in uh, 2018. So, yeah. you know, things change in DC very quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but regardless, we're always going to have something here as part of the Major Issues podcast. We do our best to come up with cool content, stuff to talk about, uh, movies, TV shows, and stuff. Um, and if you're reaching this part, then I want to thank you guys for uh, listening this far into the episode. And if you like what we do here, you can go back and listen to our past episodes by going to comicbookclick.com, the official home of the Major Issues podcast. And not only that, it's the home of all the things we do as part of Comic Book Click. We write articles. We do this episodes of this podcast. is where all of our merchandise um, is being sold. And now they're making masks. So it's like I someone today bought a... Um, uh, Umbrella Academy mask, yeah, where I, it's all the names of the kids, but the dead one is striked out. <laughs> so, so somebody wanted to wear that on their face. So you can now if you go to comicbookclick.com and click that shop CBC link. Not only does it help us out with a little bit of funds to keep this thing afloat, but you get to show off your favorite brands and um, favorite superheroes with cool and exclusive designs. Besides that. Um, you can find the Major Issues Podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast App, Google Podcasts, TuneFind, iHeart, Spotify, where, literally wherever podcasts are found. But the quickest way to find us is to Google Major Issues Podcast, three words. And we will be the first ones to pop right up because we are always talking about the latest and greatest things that come to comic books and comic book media. Uh, quick favor for all you guys out there. You saw how we just went and just dismantle this entire plot you know with, with with strategic nature how about you tell some people that how about you tell some people about this podcast and the most effortless way to do it is to rate and review us on itunes because it's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you guys like and what you don't like uh about this show um i'm odds are we haven't got any complaints so far so i think you guys are really digging it 
the the um, vocal minority is silent. So that's great. Uh, but yeah, come up to us. Let us know. Oh, I actually have now my own blog on comicbookclick.com called From the Desk of the Dawn. And so I'll be up there completely candid talking about scheduling new ideas for content um, and taking ideas from you guys because... I wanted to create this community for all of us, all members of the Click, to sit and be able to talk about this stuff, um, you know, without having to worry about anybody who didn't care for this medium. Uh, a bit of a safe space, which I know is a, a bad word in today's society, but a place where we could all congregate. So thank you guys for coming and congregating with us and talking about uh, this specific episode. I was gonna say safe you can find this hero. But... Yes, you can. You can. You can uh, comment. Um, you can reach us uh, via all our social media at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the latest and greatest things to happen in comic books and comic book media. We're also at major issue CBC. Um, we went crazy with uh, memes uh, for <laughs> for um, uh, the Snyder Cut and Batwoman quitting. Last week, you got to hear us live react to the news that Batwoman quit. And then this week, we get to talk about Snyder, the Snyder Cut actually happening. Last week, we talked about, oh, what what would you do if you lived in a world where magically maybe the Snyder Cut existed and now, boom, a week later, two days later, we're talking about <laughs> the reality that it's coming. So things change. It happens fast. Yes. The, uh, things change. It happens fast. Um but we we try to stay on top of it. So try to stay on top of us. I don't think that was supposed to come out that way. Ooh. But uh, my but my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. This is Jonathan Escudero, aka Yogi. And this has been our Twilight of the Superheroes. I guess you could say recap and review. And remember, whether or not you believe in superheroes, whether you think they're all going to be totalitarian leaders. Whether you're an eight-year-old with an insatiable sexual appetite, Oof. <laughs> I couldn't even—I couldn't even say that without laughing. <laughs> or whether you're a true content creator who's just trying to stick up for the little man. Remember, we're all the click, and remember, you—yes, you—are worthy. Mm-hmm.